Hello and welcome back to the Post 20 Podcast. My name is Evan. I'm joined as always by my co-host Matt. You're now listening to episode 78. What's going on this week for you, Matt? Oh, well, the starting tomorrow, Friday, May 28th, the state of New Jersey is uh, uplifting the state mandate for oh, yeah. masks and doors. Uh, I think businesses still can carry out if they want to have masks indoors and that with employees and whatnot, but the they're clear to go if they want to do that or not. So hopefully I would think a lot of those businesses would decide on going back to normal. I'm sure most places on the islands will, obviously with bars and restaurants and whatnot, full capacity, uh, people can order and eat standing at the bar and whatnot. So I think this weekend is going to be wild. We were talking about before the show, weather-wise, where we are, the uh, weather's not going to be great for beach weather and all that. So even more crowds are going to be in indoor indoor uh, businesses and restaurants and whatnot. So that side of it, business is going to be crazy, and I'm going to be working all weekend. So it's going to be pretty hectic and whatnot. But I'm really excited to see things go back to normal. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I need it. I'm really excited that everything's just going to be... I don't have to carry a mask on me like to go into a fucking store, or the clubhouse, just to like take it off as soon as I leave. That shit pisses yeah. me off so fucking much, man. Like, I didn't used to, it didn't used to bother me, but also we used to be wearing masks more. Like, now we're in that... <coughs> excuse me. Um, now we're in that, like, twilight where literally nobody cares about them and everyone's vaccinated on top of that. So it's like, what are we doing? Who are we protecting? Because even people that might have been apprehensive about the vaccine pretty much have it. Um, so I just like I, I don't understand why the fuck I'm wearing a mask. Who who am I protecting anymore? Everybody I know that that wants to get that wanted to get the vaccine is vaccinated. And if you didn't want to get the vaccine and you're worried about COVID, I mean, literally go fuck yourself. Um, yeah. uh, like that's I don't know I don't know what those people want me to tell them I don't know if they're I wonder if there's a subsection of people that didn't want to get the vaccine and is worried about COVID I feel like it's probably not a huge subsection might be a very but I, small minority yeah, yeah so that but that's what I mean that small minority like what are we why are we still caring at this point it's time for for everybody to open things back up it's time for the money to start getting made and you know i'm i'm happy that this this portion of life is like gone is going to be over i'm really excited yeah it couldn't have happened at a worse time like at our age we're so young trying to like just have a good time in the summer with our friends make money and whatnot and then all the COVID stuff hits and especially with the podcast stuff like uh, over a full year ago now we were kind of had a good momentum going with what all that stuff going on with guests and uh, in-person stuff and we were kind of getting a routine going and then the the whole thing hit and we kind of got into this online thing which is more convenient and like we've we've pivoted it to like a youtube and all that and we have the video portions going out and i think good things have come out of it but yeah being able to see friends face to face more often and do uh physical activities outside whether like what's us playing golf or people going out for drinks or whatnot on the weekends or yeah. other other stuff they want to do. It's going to be nice to have that back in your life to actually have physical contact with people because I think that's another thing that really hit people hard, especially young people. I think uh, a lot of more kids fell into depression and had social anxieties. A lot of people yeah, that brutal. were at, 
a lot of people that were extroverts uh, kind of took a hard hit and became introverts, had having to deal with, I mean, back when it first hit, like house party was a huge thing. Zoom was huge. People would do online drinking together. They'd get together Friday, Saturday nights for an hour, a couple hours and drink online like how we're doing here and just talk, just talk shit like you would in person. So, I mean, uh, there's a lot of different uh, factors that have happened or that have yeah, that have happened with through this whole process. But we're we're everybody seeing the light and like you said, I think fifty percent of the country's been vaccinated through that's, all ages. It's a good enough number for me, man. And like I think sixty two percent last I heard of all adults uh, are vaccinated. So at this point it becomes herd immunity and even those that haven't gotten the vaccine, there's a portion of people that did get the virus and now have antibodies and there's no need for them to get the vaccine because they're already protected because they've had it. So it's such a small percentage of people that can be affected. And there's always that argument that like the common cold, I mean, not the common cold, the, the, the normal flu is more dangerous. People have made stats that yeah. you're more likely to die from driving to work than COVID or like getting struck by lightning. You have a higher percentage of getting struck by lightning and dying from COVID. Like there's crazy stats that people have figured out and it's just something that media can keep going and rolling with for stories and views. And that's what the main thing is you always hear online and through the radio and on TV and whatnot. Social media is like just clickbait. That goes through YouTube. Like when we watch people on YouTube, you listen to people on radio. It's just all about getting people's attention. And yeah. it's, it's kind of, it's coming to an end. I mean, it's just like, uh, especially COVID. I mean, the science, I mean, it's not that old now, but like, about, <coughs> oh, fucking hell. <laughs> I might have COVID. Um, about six months ago, um, you know, a lot of studies were, were finally concluded, and we're understanding that the death rates for COVID, of course, of course, they were overblown at the beginning, right? But the death rates were the death rates. It's not that anything was fudged. It's just that it was very, very popular to talk about. But what wasn't popular to talk about was that 80% of the COVID deaths were people that were obese. I mean, this is a, that, that is a huge factor. That's a huge factor. You can't just not talk about it's fucking fat asses and people who are in awful fucking shape that don't take care of themselves in the first place. They're going to be more susceptible to a virus. That's just how it is. That's how immune systems and antibodies and things like that work. And I'm not a scientist. I'm not claiming to be a scientist. But what I'm, you know, what I'm just trying to say now is this shit did get overblown. And I mean, for, for, for those of us that have people that maybe aren't in great shape or they're old or whatever the fuck in our family and around us, we still had to be careful. But the, the fact of the matter is the shit got so overblown, man. Like it's just fucking, it's crazy. I think this probably went on for longer than it needed to, um, a year, maybe, maybe a year. Like, maybe I'd be willing to have a year of that shit. But did it really need to last until this long for us to lift the mask mandate? I don't know, bro. Texas lifted that shit like five months ago, and their COVID rates are low as fuck. Yeah, it ultimately comes down to who your governor is and local yeah, politicians. We got fucking what, what, Philly. Yeah, living in the bastard. in the north northeast and the west coast, you're going to get hit heavy with the, the Democratic policies and heavy mask mandates and... Small businesses are getting crushed while in uh, red states like in the South or in the Midwest, kind of um, Texas as well. You're seeing governors like 
Ted Cruz and or no, he's Senator. Um, who's their governor? Abbott. I think some Abbott. Rick and Abbott got, is his name. Rick. Yeah, something like that. And then you got Rob Ron DeSantis in Florida, a uh, big Trump guy. Like they 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 managed to deal with Corona while also keeping the state open as much as possible, minimizing the effect on local businesses and your average day in, in uh day of your life. So I mean. It the, from them doing that, it shows that it's manageable. And when you have guys like uh, Cuomo in New York and Gavin Newsom uh, in California, just, they're frauds for all different kinds of reasons. Even even their predecessors, they can get away with doing uh, the wrong decisions, be but also getting their their behinds covered by the media, saving them, uh, not talking about what the real problem is, and then the bailout. Every time they make bad decisions, they get bailed out. And it's like nothing ever happened. It's it's like you. It's like when your gambling debt is just magically paid off by a shark or something. It's like it just goes away magically. But still, like you remember, like you remember what they did, and the media just just brushes it under the carpet. And it's just a it's a constant cycle that will never end unless you get like another guy, another candidate like Trump or just an anti-establishment type of person. I think that's their direction. The country needs the head end if they want to get out of a constant cycle of just inflation, overspending on dumb things. Yeah, it's never uh, going to happen. America's already dead. Yeah, it's, uh, but unfortunately, it's just that's just not going to happen. I know this is an interesting way to start our show, but um, yeah. you know, until you get a guy in the middle, you're not going to get it into that. And even tr- Trump, I mean. He was just so intolerable to so many people, even on the right, like the traditional right wing, that it wasn't, even though he was sort of moderate, like in terms of his his uh, <clears throat> financial policy, like I, I think his financial policy was fine. I think it was reasonable for even people on like, for some people on the left, like they bought in, they were okay. But he was just so intolerable, like as a human being to so many people. That I think we didn't we didn't maximize what we could have gotten from a, a guy who was previously a Democrat and then a Republican. Like if, if Trump was not as media as hated by the media, let's say, I think we actually could have come a little bit. I think we could have come kind of kind of far. Um, and it was unfortunate that like, I mean, I think he's a clown, but he was villainized to a degree that no other president has ever been villainized, and it was. Uh, he never had a chance. Like he, he truly didn't have a chance. I don't. I don't think that was that was fair at all. But I don't um, think you can put the blame. All this is the last thing I'm gonna say about this, and then we can actually get into the show. But I don't think you can put all the blame on him because the media. No, you can't. You can't saw, put it all. They on him. they saw the numbers of views and people watching the networks. Uh, the network shows at night, like CNN, MSPC, and all the other sides, even Fox News, both sides. Just the numbers and the viewership went up through those four years he was yeah. uh, as sitting president. Just and now you're seeing the after that math of him being out of office. The I think the viewership for CNN dropped like seventy percent or something crazy. Yeah, it was Trump derangement syndrome. That's what I like to call it. That's what it was. People like were so just many people as, as so many people as soon as he left office just stopped caring about they politics checked out. anymore. Right because. Because if we're honest, like Joe Biden's not very interesting. There's nothing about him. He 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 does as little as possible to be in in the spotlight because obviously he's had his blips with 
with his speech and oh, I mean he's a fucking he's he's not there. I mean, he, like he's not he's mentally seven, there. He's 77, 78 years old by the time he's he's out he'll be 82. There's no yeah. shot in hell he gets reelected. No. Kamala at that point's going to run most likely, but I don't think she has a shot. No. But that's all another story. Yeah. I think you're right we, though. I mean, it's you can't you can't fully you can't blame Trump for the way that he was villainized. I mean, the way he acted it was certainly different than a traditional president, for sure. But I think that's why a lot of people liked him. That's why, you know. There was always something to talk about it at was, work. It was such a change of pace because he, he, I mean, what a crazy fucking cat. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm anti or pro, but, like, it was certainly different. It's certainly a change of pace. And I think there's something to be said for that, for sure. Positive to be said for that. Yeah, I think that's a good little uh, intro to the episode. Yeah, uh, like ten, fifteen minutes. Get a little, lot, of, lot of state of the union. Going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but w- the way this episode's gonna go, I think I'm gonna lead. Evans still got his voice. He's still recovering from that infection. Yeah, I don't know uh, what the fuck that was. Still, I called the doctor's office and they were like, "Oh, yeah, how are you feeling?" I said I still feel like shit and I have an awful cough. And he's like, oh, well, you can come back and get tested for COVID again. And I was like, no, you tested me for COVID three times. I don't have fucking COVID. Trust me. I don't have it. I don't have any of the other symptoms besides a dry cough. That's it. Do you think the next two to three years, that'll be the first thing doctors think when you. Yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question. I have no idea. Like, because it's so similar to a common cold, any other cold. Yeah. Like you get a fever for a little bit, low grade, typically. You have a cough, although a cold's a wet cough. Usually, COVID's dry cough. Uh, body aches, like it's all. I think the, the real same thing would shit. be like loss of taste. Yeah, but even that, like I, I don't know about you, but when I get sick, I I lose my taste sometimes. Really? Yeah, for sure. Taste and smell. I've been lucky. I haven't gotten like sick for about eight and nine months. I haven't had like a serious cold. It's because we haven't while. fucking been out. We've been wearing masks everywhere. That's why. Yeah, true. That's true. I've been interfacing with people recently, like more and more, and even mm-hmm. towards the end of school, like when I I had to go up there a couple of times, dude. Even being on campus, I swear to God, I just felt you. Your body's not used to getting other people's germs, and when it does get foreign germs, like you just get sick. I I've been sick for like two months now, just const- constantly. Every couple of days, I get something new. I mean, through all this, like, fall and spring, like, I've been coaching and all that, and I've been around oh, that's, 20, yeah. 28, 9-year-olds, so, I mean, they're constantly, yeah, and even, fucks. like, us, yeah, like, I've been around all their bullshit, so I've been holding up well, but, um, yeah, let's get back on the topic here, so the way this is going to go, we're going to recap week 38 of the Premier League, we're going to dissect how the table finished, uh, what's going on European-wise, who's getting relegated, uh, we're going to move into... We're going to move up the tier or up the table, bottom to top, reviewing each team, their business through the summer, winter, what they did overall, and where they're going to go from here. And then I I guess we're going to close on uh, some awards we're going to give. We're going to have uh, six here, player of the year, manager of the year, uh, best young player, uh, best transfer, worst transfer, and then we're going to pick a goal of the year. Uh, So that's the layout of the episode. Uh, and I guess we'll start with the review of Week 38. The first game uh, listed here for me is Arsenal 2, Brighton 0. Uh, this was a solid win for Arsenal. 
Uh, Nicholas Pepe with the brace, he's really came into form the last uh, stretch of the season. I think he ended the year with 10 goals. He's been uh, great. Second most on the team, I think, joint with Amamyang, uh, which says a lot for his season. But um, yeah, it was a solid result. I I think we both picked this game right. Uh, Brighton didn't do too much. Uh, It was an overall solid result and a strong finish to the year for Arsenal, winning five straight in a row. Uh, Unfortunately, only finished eighth, one point behind Tottenham. Right outside of that uh, new year, what is it, UEFA Conference League? Yeah, what that the is, fuck is that? That is a third tier European Great. competition. So Great. that next season will be the first, will be the inaugural season of the tournament. So this is how it works. You have the Champions League, which is the top, the Europa League. The winner of the Europa League qualifies for the Champions League. And now the Conference League is specifically for the Prem. Uh, whoever finishes seventh qualifies, and if you win the conference league, you qualify for the Europa League the next season. Okay. So I don't, I don't know if it's going to be how the Champions League is, where like the best third place teams fall into the Europa League. Right. So meaning, if Europa League, some teams are going to fall into the Conference League. I do not know how that works. I'm not first in how that is, but. Tottenham will make the venture into that and will most likely be favorites going into it because if you thought the Europa League was a bunch of farmers, I can't wait to see who the fuck's I can't either, dude. It's going to be the absolute most fucking bizarre teams. You're going to get like French League 2 teams. There's going to be so many weirdos. It's just going to be so fucking weird. It's going to be like Torino, Marseille, like just horrible, awful uh lower i think it's it's teams. just i think it's just to give some um opportunities to teams that won't that most likely don't make it into the other two competitions just to give them some uh that feeling for european nights and i think it'll help those teams more than the more established teams in that tournament because it'll give more exposure to players that you might never have seen play before and might have good seasons in that tournament where they get scouted and picked up and their careers might launch up so there always are some pros and cons to it but Yes, Tottenham will be doing that, but Arsenal overall, great result here for them. Anything that you saw in this game that you were really impressed in? Um, not necessarily. I mean, like we like we talked about Pepe, he's been really sharp the past couple of games. Um, pretty good in those European matches that where we threw him in there and needed something from him as well. So I think that you know it's about time that Pepe kind of came into his own here. This is his second season. Um, and last season he was a little bit underwhelming. We didn't have him for all that much time last season, so um, it's good. It's really good to see him kind of play, and I know um, today I saw a couple of, of news outlets report that Jaka's looking for a way out as well as losing Ceballos uh, and um, what's his name? Fucking Hector Bellerin. So Arsenal really, you know, they, they need to shore up their defense uh, and midfield. I think having Thomas or having Partey in there, uh, that's obviously huge. So if we want to slot maybe one of those uh, attacking guys further back, make them play as more of a holding mid-roll, that could work. Or we're going to be looking for a uh, for a replacement for Xhaka. I think it's time for those guys to go. So uh, uh, their performance have, has performances have been okay uh, towards this latter half of the season, but I think it's important to get some fresh legs in. And you know, we need a we need a new club club captain. In my opinion, Jaka is not going to cut it anymore. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of changes. I think uh, potentially Arteta, even uh, in my opinion, but I think it's the first time in 25 years Arsenal will not so. be in European competitions, so they will be focusing heavily 
and I emphasize heavily finishing in the top four next season because, in my opinion, without any interruptions uh, from league play with European games and whatnot, if they don't finish anywhere near that top four, I think they have some really big problems and it's going to be hard to retain those top quality players, in my opinion. But that that's for another, another uh, episode we can touch on. But the next match we had, uh, unfortunately for me... Uh, oh, this is a bad scene. Aston Villa 2, Chelsea 1. Now, absolute criminal here. Uh, uh, credit, credit to Aston Villa. They did well. You're so lucky uh, Tottenham didn't bottle that game against Leicester. I know. I did tweet out. I so said, fucking uh, lucky. I, I tweeted, I always loved Gareth Bale. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, I but, that. Um, yeah, in this match, we needed to at least get a point, but we, we lucked out with uh, the other results further down the line. Uh, we, we nicked uh, the fourth-place position qualifying for the Champions League, so giving us uh, not as much pressure on Saturday, even though there is a lot to not have to win to get in. Uh, so that's nice. But uh, El Ghazi and Traore, uh, Bertrand Traore, formerly a Chelsea player, scored uh, in this match. Ben Chilwell on the other end scored, assist by Pulisic. Nice to see from him. Um, kind of back and forth. Was a boring match to, at times, but I just don't know, man. It was. It's. We're going into this match. We're going into this match Saturday off uh, an FA Cup loss. Uh, we beat Leicester in the redemption match, which kind of. I shouldn't say it didn't mean anything because it, it got us to fourth. And then we lose this. And Man City's coming off of, I think, they're coming off the Palace win, right? No, no, they're coming off the, the Everton annihilation. Yes, they're coming off actual annihilation. Uh, they lost to Brighton. They did a 10-man, uh, a huge win off Newcastle. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. I mean, I'm sure we can do a little preview on Twitter or whatever, what our thoughts, but on that match but yeah this is really poor and i i really don't have much else to say what did you think seeing this match i mean the my immediate thought was similar to what you had this is not the way you want to head into the champions league final right i mean you you don't want to drop points uh well drop all the points even if it doesn't necessarily mean anything but it did in this case you needed that europe you needed points for european competition um you don't want to head into the Champions League final uh, behind a sorry performance like this. Um, I don't think it was necessarily the worst I've seen Chelsea play this season, but it certainly uh, would not rank in one of the better matches I've watched them play. They just looked listless here. Um, they they were, you know, statistically far, far, far ahead of Villa, but when Chelsea can't get the uh, the ball in the back of the net, it becomes a problem. And, you know, they did let two up here. So that's that's not something that happens to Chelsea all that much these days. Defensively, they're very squared away, and they didn't seem to be as squared away this time. Um, you know, I think they were... Really, they got the result that they deserved. Uh, Villa came out, they wanted it more. And uh, ultimately, we're with a better team on this day. Uh, I don't. I don't know how much how much of an indicator this is of of the way that Chelsea are going to play in the final. It's just going to be such a it's such a different thing, especially when you have two top English teams going against each other, um, both in pretty decent form. So we'll have to see. This this could be a throwaway result. It might not mean anything. Yeah, Ben Conte didn't play. He was dealing with hamstring issue, and Mendy did come out. Uh, with a slight injury, but both of them are back in training and are in the squad for Saturday. Um, 
Uh, and after watching that Europa League final yesterday, if you guys didn't see, it went to shootouts, 11 rounds. Uh, United lost to Villarreal. Uh, Unai Emery, the king of the Europa League, with I think his fourth now. Uh, that's wild. But both teams came pretty cautiously into the match, their tactics. And I kind of see the same thing going into Saturday's match in the Champions League final. You never see a manager just go all out like how a fan would just like just guns blazing. We're going to come at you hard. Uh, Tuchel seems like he's very tactically reserved in that. Pep, obviously, they're going to do their tiki-taka, do their thing. So it's going to be battle for possession the whole day, the whole game. And both sides are in the top three in possession uh, in the Premier League. So that should be interesting. But moving on, uh, the next match, uh, Newcastle 2, Fulham 0. Uh, not the best way for Fulham to end the season. I think they ended the season with 10, what was it I have here? 10 losses. They had, they had the longest, longest, the currently longest winless streak. I said that in the wrong order, but 10, matches, mean, with, yeah. 10 matches without a win, they ended the season. Going, going all the way back to that Liverpool game. We might have cursed them, actually. It might yeah, have been us. Yeah, I think that's 100% on us. <laughs> I mean, that is cursed, bro. Yeah, that is awfully on us. So, Scary Scott and all those <laughs> guys. But, uh, yeah. But, I don't know. It's going to be hard for them with all the money they spent and dropping down, losing all that media money. But uh, Newcastle finishing strong, even though Steve Bruce, I don't think, is the right manager for that job. And their midfield is so like one dimensional. They have no pace in that thing. I, I saw a report or not a report, a story talking about them and how St. Maxman is the only reason he watches them because he's the only bright spot and creative player they have. Not um, true. They no. have Joe Willock. Yeah, I know. You got him. Uh, Miguel Almiron has his moments. Yeah. Uh, he's like creative player. Callum Wilson was his, their top scorer with 12 goals. He did miss, I think, like eight or nine weeks. Yeah, so he, he could he could have had at least six here, 17 if he made all those, but I uh, can't, can't think about that, uh, that way, but yeah, Joe Willock did score in this game. So seven straight games he played in with seven goals. Absolutely crazy. Want to know the only other player who's done that? Alan who's fucking that? Shearer. Oh, dude. Alan Shearer. Joe Willock is in conversation with Alan Shearer for a record? That's fucking bizarre. I think, side note from this game, I think specifically about Joe Willock, I think he definitely needs uh, another year on loan because... For sure, I agree. How old? Let me look up real quick. How old he's is he? Like is, he is he even twenty? No, he's no, twenty. He's, he's, he's twenty-one. Twenty-one. He's twenty-one. His birthday's in August, so he'll be twenty-two for the next season. I was close. So I, I definitely think he needs one more year because Arsenal's still trying to figure out their midfield with Partey in there, uh, Xhaka and and uh, El Nini and all those guys. But I think if he can get another year uh, like that, making sure, proving it to everybody that it was not a fluke. Um, I definitely think he should go back to Newcastle because he works in that system. Uh, I don't think he should go to a different team and have to reestablish himself in the squad. Uh, he's already proved himself there. so. And we know that Newcastle is a pretty solid team in the league. Once they get on a run, they'll, they'll be in the league. But um, I think that's definitely a good path for him in his career. Uh, for Fulham, though, their main problem this year, and I'm going to touch on this when we go over them, their team season overall, they just could not score goals. They yeah. just did not have anybody that was a goal scorer on their team. I think De Cordova Reed was their top scorer with five goals. I think that was the lowest amongst every team for top goals. Yeah. It's Even weird. behind and the funny thing is, Chelsea was the second team 
with like the smallest goal, leading goal scorer, which was Jorginho. He led our team with seven goals, and all of them were penalties, which says something. Yeah. Now that might that might be different when we have a full Tuchel year. You have to remember we had Frank up until January, so it was completely different tactics with a four-two-three-one to changing to like a three-five-two. So yeah, the the Fulham just could not create chances. I think overall their team played well, possession style. Uh, those games we did watch live, uh, they they had a solid uh, style, uh, savvy with Scott, and it just they just could not could not put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, they they struggled to be clinical all season. I think you see that sometimes with some of the clubs that come up. Not a lot of goal scoring. Usually they're more solid at the back, but Fulham just had a full-on meltdown at the end. I mean, not, no part of their game was solid. It was bad, then it was worse, then it was good, then it was bad, and then awful. So <laughs> they just could never, they could never string together Um you know, more than one or two wins, and and that's the name of the game: consistency. Even if you're getting draws, and they just had so many losses this season. Same with Sheffield. When you're dropping all three points, not ever salvaging one, it's it's a problem. And you know, it it comes out at the very end when you realize how far, just how far you were from safety. I mean, they were eleven points away from safety. That's that's brutal. Yeah, I think this was the quickest. Brutal. I think this was the quickest three teams have been relegated ever in the league. Yeah, it's honestly tragic. Um, we liked Fulham a lot, so R.I.P. Um, hope to see them back up in a couple of years. Always do, honestly. They come up like every five to ten years, so we'll see if we uh, if we get them back up. But yeah, you know, it, Soon, sooner than that, hopefully. I mean, we have Norwich and West and Watford coming right back and. Uh, Saturday's the champ, the playoff final, which is Swansea and uh, Brentford. Brentford's back in it from last season. Uh, they were in the, the playoff final against Fulham, which they lost, I think, one mm-hmm. 0 off a of Joe Bryan like forty yard free kick. So wait, um, so wait, who's who? It's it's who's coming up? Watford, Norwich, Watford, Norwich, and then the winner of Swansea, Brentford. Oh, I hope it's fucking Brentford. They haven't been up in a long time. Yeah, I mean, they were in the final last year, and they lost, and they had Ollie Watkins on their team, and yeah. after they lost, he made the move to Villa, and I mean, I think he scored, what did he score this year? He had 16, where is he? He had 14 goals this year, which is awesome for him, because he scored 26 last year in the championship, so he proved himself this year. Uh, but moving on to the next match, we have Leeds 3, West Brom 1, pretty self-explanatory. Uh, we both picked this game right. I think. Oh, I think our overall records here for the final week, we both went seven and three, which is respectable. Not bad. I think the only ones we got wrong were the Chelsea game. The I got the Spurs game wrong, and then the the Sheffield game. Those are the ones I got wrong. But um, yeah, Leeds clean it up. I think they also ended the year strongly, winning four straight. Uh, surprisingly, they finished ninth. Um, two points behind Arsenal, and funnily enough, they finished above Everton with a better goal differential. For the longest time, they were sitting on a zero goal differential, and now they ended on uh, plus eight, which is nice to see for them. Really cr- shows uh, the the credit, gives credit to those players and the manager. Um, there have been interviews with players saying how strenuous the training is with Bielsa, mm-hmm. how hardcore they go. It's kind of like uh, the gig impressed with Klopp and Liverpool, just... Yeah that high intensity of work rate 
So really shows what they can do in the league with with uh, not much investment into the side. Maybe next year if they could hold uh, Bamford or Fina, uh get Harrison on another year loan from Man City, or maybe they just buy big somebody. Uh, should be good. Should be fun to watch. But uh, what do you think of this match and the sides in it? I mean, Leeds, Leeds won me a, a fuck ton of money. I won like three hundred, three hundred eighty dollars on this. Yeah, bet. I did see that. You had Arsenal, Leeds, and United. Money United line. was like plus two thirty five. Yeah, I don't know why. I think everybody thought they were going to come out with like a weaker team. They, they three, did, they did. But I don't give a fuck, dude. Wolves are awful. They are yeah. awful. And yeah, I knew, true. I knew Leeds would come out firing here because they always do. They, they play with an intensity, like you were just talking about. So I knew, <laughs> I knew they'd come out and get up on West Brom. My boy fucking Hal Robson scoring again. That's pretty good for a consolation for West Brom. Not enough to mean anything, but um, yeah. I mean, a lot of the, the, I'd say the three strongest players on this team scored here. Um, Calvin Phillips, extremely important. Stalwart, middle of the park, important every single match. Bamford, of course. I mean, clutch, right? He's been good all season for the most part. Had a couple stops here and there, but he's been really consistent, really good. Seventeen goals. That's pretty. That's pretty fucking good. And you're not paying. You're not paying an absolute ton to him in wages each week either. That'll change as we move on. But um, and then Rodrigo, good signing. Summer brought in from oh, was Valencia. Was it Valencia? Okay. I believe so. so 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 yeah, coming in from the Spanish league. Not a ton of goals, didn't get a ton of time at the beginning of the season, but he's worked his way in, and he scored when he's been brought on or, or when he's got that odd start. So it's good. I mean, I'm I'm really excited to see what, what leads have for us next year. If they can get this kind of result against a team like West Brom every single time, especially next season, of course you're going to have your slip-ups. But if you can do this, you're going to cement yourself as one of those mid-table teams like Wolves have kind of done. And I think it'll be good to have to – have a team like Leeds playing spoiler to those bigger clubs as well because I think they did go unbeaten at home against the top six, if I recall that stat correctly. They did not lose at home against any of the established six. There you go. I was right about that. So, yeah, um, good good result from Leeds. Awesome to see that they're they're still firing on all cylinders and, you know, they still have their heads up. And, uh, I mean, I'm I'm really happy that Leeds are back in the top flight. Um, looks like they really want to establish themselves and, and stay up. So, yeah, awesome. Yeah, hopefully they don't have a sophomore year, kind of how like Sheffield did at last year to this year and Southampton, the same Wolves, like that type of season. But uh, hopefully not. You can always hope. Uh, the next match, which was crucial to Chelsea qualifying for Champions League, Leicester 2, Tottenham 4. Uh, with this slip-up for Leicester, they fall into the Europa League spot. And with this win, Tottenham secure, like I said earlier. Uh, that conference league spot. So both will be playing in Europe next season, different tournaments. Uh, but I guess that works. Obviously does not work for Harry Kane. He most likely will leave. He's been commented saying that he wants to win now. Uh, in my view, in my opinion, that means Man City for me because I don't think Chelsea is a win now team. They have so many young players and they're really trying to find their style. Tuchel's so new to the side that they're still trying to cement uh, it's not cement. They're still trying to figure from players to management and get on the same page. So I would say they're not a win now team. I think if they can challenge for the Premier League next year, give it a good run, that would be nice. Yeah. Uh, but 
that's how I see them. United is probably the only other team that's a win now. Maybe Liverpool, but I don't see him working in that Liverpool side with Mane and Salah uh, on the flanks. But I think United would probably be his move. I don't really know. I definitely do see him staying in England. But but for Leicester here, you get two goals from Vardy on penalties, luckily enough. I think one was a good one. The other was kind of debatable. Uh, and then on the other end, you had an own goal from Schmeichel. Uh, you had Kane, and then Bale put in two. Obviously, he scored the winner in the 83rd minute or something. Uh, Bale ended the season with 11 goals. I don't know if you knew that, but that's pretty 20, good, dog. He played 20. He made 20 appearances and scored 11 goals, which is he averaged what is that? He averaged 0.55 goals a game. Yeah. That he played in, which is wild. That's pretty good, he, dude. I think I think he was like top five in the conversion rate Efficient, for that. efficiency. Yeah, 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 go, yeah. In appearances, which is wild. Uh, I, there are rumors that he's planned on retiring. I don't know. He's thirty-one. Guy loves golf. He might just say fuck it. Maybe he'll be on the European know. tour for a couple of years. He's pretty good. He's a scratch. Know. I don't know. It depends because Zidane has come out and said he's stepping away from Madrid for yeah. the second time. It's good. Uh, Tottenham are obviously looking for a new manager. That's going to really depend on some players staying or leaving with that style. Um, but yeah, it should be interesting next season with both teams in Europe, uh, what they do. Leicester, Ian Nacho finished strong on the year. I think he finished with 12 or 13. Obviously, most of them coming on the back half. And same with Bale. Uh, Vardy finished top goal scorer, I think, with 14, was it 15? Yeah. So yeah, overall good season for both. Yeah, um, I'll be curious to see where Kane ends up, man. I, I think, I think he's gonna leave England, but um, we'll see. Uh, that'll be really, really interesting to see where he lands because of the money. I just, it's always curious to see how the how the money works out these days because the figures just get bigger and bigger every single season. Just and each time, I'm just gobsmacked. But okay, what's next? <laughs> next. We had Liverpool 2, Palace 0. Uh, this, this win secured Liverpool Champions League, putting them in third above Chelsea. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, overall, Liverpool finished very strong. They, they handled their business five straight wins the last five games. Uh, Palace not giving Roy Hodgson a very nice send-off if they lost their last two matches with him, uh, finishing a very conventional 14th. I think they finished around that for the past six years. Uh, they don't finish anywhere near the top 10. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Mane had both goals. Nice goals from him. Uh, assist from Firmino and Salah. Who else? Uh, and a clean sheet for the guys in the back. So, I think overall it was a pretty normal result. Just how we both saw it going. Um, anything else that you saw here that you wanted to add, Evan? No, not really. Uh, good result for Liverpool. Sadio Mane coming alive a little bit at the end of the season. Past couple performances, he's looked more lively. Um, I know for a while there, he was he was down pretty bad, and yeah. he just he just didn't look so hot. So it's good to see him. Uh, I'm hoping he he laces those scoring boots up more next season because Mane is one of my favorite players to watch, especially when he's in form. Um, so yeah, that's, that was the thing of note for me. It was really nice to see Mane get a brace for himself. Yeah. He finished the year with 11 goals and there were two stints in, in the season where he went eight matches without a goal. And then following that, after he scored, he went 11 matches without a goal. 
So that's very uh, that shows why they finished where they did in the table. Obviously, there's other reasons with injuries and whatnot, but uh, they did make a signing. I think Ibrahim Konate, French center back from Leipzig, they signed or they agreed terms right now. Uh, they couldn't get Upamakana. He went to Bayern, so they got the other guy, uh, which is pretty strong. Obviously, I think I definitely think they need to get rid of Matip because he's been hurt more than he's played. I think yeah. it's a waste. He's been a terrible signing for them, even when he has Not played. Not reliable as a backup. So they, they need changes there in the back, obviously, and that's what the summer's for. Uh, next match, uh, champions of the league, Man City 5, Everton nil. Evan hit this on the nail on the head. Yeah. Uh, you said it was going to be an absolute murder, and it was. Uh, De Bruyne, Jesus, Foden getting on the board, and Aguero getting uh, two goals to send him off yeah. to Barcelona. Uh, very nice to see from them. Uh, it was it was just absolute murder. He tied Rooney's record for most goals for one club, right? Yeah, I think so. In the I prem, think in the prem, not yeah. Because he, he, he obviously is the highest goal scorer for the club overall. But I think yeah, he does. What is what is his overall? I think he is the most. He has the most as a foreign goal scorer though in in the prem as well. I think he has that record. Yeah, I definitely would agree. I definitely see that. Highest foreign it? goal scorer in Prem. It's it's Aguero. I think um Henri's is the second. Yeah, he is. He is 175 to Aguero's 184. Yeah, 184 for Man City. Wayne Rooney had 183 for United. Yep. Okay. So yeah, that is the mo Harry Kane's in second with 166 right now for Spurs, and that's probably coming to an end. Wow, that's actually crazy. Those are some interesting stats. I cannot believe Jermaine Defoe is in the top ten. Premier League goal scorer list. That's actually ridiculous. Yeah, he was so heavily underrated, man. It's just because he was so spread out through yeah. his career there. Played everywhere. Holy fuck, that's insane. There was a period where he played for Toronto in the MLS. Yeah, I know. I remember that. I remember that actually better than I remember some of his stints in the Premier League <laughs> with Portsmouth <laughs> and Sunderland. <laughs> yeah, this this is prime Everton here, just finishing right in tenth. I think it, this is somewhere, I mean, obviously both didn't predict them to finish 10th. We thought they'd finish a little bit higher. But uh -huh. to appoint a manager like Carlo Ancelotti, who's managed top clubs throughout the Europe, whether it was uh, Chelsea, uh, Madrid, Napoli, uh, I'm probably forgetting somewhere else. But he's been high-profile clubs and has won great, great. Uh, he's had great seasons winning yeah. tons of trophies. And then he brings in the likes of James Rodriguez, who was not healthy the whole season and was not utilized as best as he should. And we, we've praised Allen in the midfield, who he's who Ancelotti's manager has trusted and brought for, with him from Napoli. Um, finishing 10th with that team behind a lackluster Arsenal, uh, a freshly promoted Leeds. That's bad. And a West Ham team that nobody really saw coming. I mean, that's just poor if you're a fan of them. And the way they started was even more of a letdown. Well, that's the thing. Like, uh, I was talking the other day um, to my brother about this. Like, Everton had a hot start. Like, scorching hot. They looked so good those first five to six weeks. And they just, I mean... I said to my brother, "There, I, I, I misspoke. I said their back nine was horrible. 
because that's that's how I was thinking about it, like around yeah. the golf. Their front nine was fucking great. It was sick, but their back nine was so bad. I mean, they were just awful when it came down to it. It was the stretch, and and when you can't when you can't get that done, you know, when it matters, it's it's that's why you end up tenth. They shouldn't have been tenth. Besides, besides this awfully underperforming Arsenal team and you know a Leeds United team that hasn't been up in the league since '94, there's no excuse. Not with that caliber of players and manager. Better than Arsenal, I would, I'd fucking argue. Yeah, they started the year with four straight <laughs> wins over Spurs, West Brom, Palace, and uh, Brighton. Then they got a draw against Liverpool, and then it kind of went down. They lost to Southampton, Newcastle, United, and. It'd be kind of kind of turned into a roller coaster from there. So, I mean, it's very tough to to be consistent the entire season. Yeah, it is with the talent each team has. This league has proven to us time and time again that uh, anything can happen. We've seen Sheffield upset United. We've seen West Brom upset huh. Chelsea. We've seen Brighton upset City. Like all these crazy things can happen. So it the just that. To have a stretch like how Man City did with like a 19 match uh, win streak is something that is absolutely unheard of in this league, uh, even any league across any country. It's almost impossible to do. Uh, so that's one of the keys things you want to get as a manager is consistency with players week in, week out, get a good rotation, and just hope not to overstress them, overstress their bodies and whatnot. So. Yeah, I mean, that's that's prime position for Everton, 10th. Uh, moving on, Sheffield 1, Burnley nil. We both did not get this game right. I think we both took Burnley. Uh, Sheffield getting a, a, a win before they go back down that championship for 10 years. Yep. Um, they finished the year 23 points, 7 wins, 2 draws, 29 losses. Awful. You cannot hope anything. I think they were doomed from, from fucking uh, November. Cause they yeah, were I mean, they might have been doomed before November. Like, they were just awful. They didn't retain any of that sharpness and tenacity that they had last year. Lost their coach. I mean, just it just looks like the locker room was lost at five weeks into the season. They had no desire to do anything. Um, <laughs> the last game they exhibited any sort of grit in was a game in November, I think, uh, versus Arsenal. It was, it was a 3-2 um, when Arsenal just squeaked by, like that was the last time that I watched Sheffield and thought they were a threat. After that match, after every match after that, was just horrible. Even their upset um, against United, like they just they had nothing going for them this season. Yeah, they just didn't have experienced players there, and the ones that they did had got injured or were ancient relics like uh, Jagielka. <laughs> but yeah. Um, it's just tough to see, and it's going to be very hard for them to come up. I did see they got they appointed a new manager. I didn't look too much into his background, his CV. I but, didn't either. But uh, good luck to them with the, the with the championship because that's even a tougher challenge uh, than the Premier League. Some would argue is the championship. That is just an absolute bear of a season. It's going from thirty eight matches to forty six, and then you throw in the League Cup and the and the FA Cup. You're playing sixty sixty five matches a season there. Yeah, I mean that's that's fucking crazy. Um, yeah, they're just not they they wouldn't be ready to to be a mid table team. I don't think even after being where they were last season, they're just I I can't even imagine the next time we'll see Sheffield up. Honestly, it's going to be a long no. time. I think 
I think on the other side of the coin with Burnley here, I think they are so lucky that... Yeah, they are. They got uh, away with fucking King's Ransom. They are so lucky that Fulham, West Brom, and Sheffield just imploded uh, back in February because they easily could be in that those positions because... They underachieved this season, I think. They Yeah, because I think both of us had them around that mid-table mark. And I, I'll go into what I said for them with our with when we talk about what we said in our previews uh, for predictions of the season overall. But yeah, they just had nothing going forward. I, I, even though Chris Wood did have 12 goals, I think he led the team, uh, which was nice for the him uh, individually. But I think the next top goal scorer for them had three. So they was them it Westwater just, McNeil. Uh, where was it? Hold on. I can see it real quick. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but... No, you're good. Um, oh, God, this is going to take too long. Uh, it, I don't I'll really get know. It. I might... I'll get it. Go ahead. But, yeah, I mean, they, like I said, they were so lucky that uh, they had teams below them that just imploded and had even worse attacks. But Nick Pope was a big save for them in goal. He's obviously out of the Euros. He's getting shoulder surgery, which throws a loop uh, wrench into uh, Gareth Southgate's uh, England squad for the Euros. He's had to make changes, so now he has Dean Henderson, Jordan Pickford. Should be interesting to see who he has as number one, uh, and then he has Ramsdale and and Johnston from from uh, Sheffield and yeah. and West Brom respectively. So I think that's always funny to see t- guys like that get picked into the teams playing for those lower level clubs because they they aren't really able to shine and show their true talent because they're getting twenty shots on them a match. Like they can never hold clean sheets because their defense is just so unstable. Uh, but they can get their individual praise there, getting selected is always a great honor for your country. But uh, yeah, I mean, not really much else to say for these two sides. Um, did you see who was the next goal scorer for Burnley? Yeah, it was Westwood, which is what I figured. I figured it was Ashley Westwood. It's actually tied between the three of them. It's Westwood, Fedra, Barnes. They all Wasn't they Mike all McNeil just have on there. Yeah, uh, I don't. McNeil. I don't know if he has three though. I think he. I think he ended with two. But had two. Yeah, he did. Dwight McNeil and Ben Mee both had two alongside uh, Goodmanson. So you know, yeah. guys that you had that were you know giving you a little more last season. Tarkowski being one of them. I mean, I think he underperformed really, really. Uh, yeah, heavily. He he was great last season. Yeah, and, there were talks in the summer he was going to get a big move. Yeah, it's a, one of the bigger clubs. I know a couple of them were looking for him. So that's that's a really you know unfortunate season for him. Um, so uh, it's like it's players like that where I think that lies with that that final um, standing spot. I mean, you know, that's they're just one. They're the team right above the drop. I I can't believe it. And I know they were eleven points safe, but they underperformed. Sorry, my cough is like trying to come out. <laughs> yeah, my moving voice on. Down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on to two teams that <laughs> were in reverse sides of the table here. We had West Ham, who finished sixth. They will be in Euro- the Euro- Europa League next season. Uh, I think the second time ever they've been in European football, uh, modern era in the modern era. Uh, they won three 0 over Southampton, who finished fifteenth, who absolutely imploded with injuries yeah, and inconsistency. Um, there was one point where they got annihilated by United nine mm-hmm. nil, absolute embarrassment. Um, but yeah, in this match in particular, Declan Rice had a goal. Uh, your boy Pablo Fornals had a brace. Uh, overall, solid performance from them. Um, Southampton on the other end didn't have anything going forward. Che Adams slowed down, slowed down, 
Uh, Danny Ings was their top goal scorer with 12, right? Let me see. He had 12. Yeah, he had 12. I think Che Adams had 10 right behind him, which was nice for him. Uh, he had a breakout year for them. But overall, both teams can go in next season looking to rebuild. West Ham, now that you're, they're in uh, European competition, can have more pull on players. Uh, getting players to stick around like Suchek and Kufal were great pickups uh, from the Czech Republic League. And hopefully they can, they can get somebody to reinforce uh, some positions that they need heavily. I mean, they're going to have to keep Declan Rice because there's always going to be those rumors that he's going to go to Chelsea or he's going to go to another team in the top four. But um, yeah, it should be interesting to see what they do business-wise there. Uh, for Southampton, they're just going to have to dig deep into the academy and hope to get one or two guys to perform. Yeah. The truth. All right. Uh, and then we have one more game. We have the United 2, Wolves 1. Uh, yeah, Wolves, like one. you said, absolutely dumpster fire. Nelson Semedo scored for them. On the other end, you had Juan Mata mm-hmm. from the from the ancient ancient times getting a goal. Uh, and then you had the youngster, Anthony Alanga, getting yeah. his first uh, professional goal, or first senior goal, I should say, uh, in his second appearance for the team in the Prem. Uh, great to see for him. Always good to see a youngster score, especially the winner. Uh, Van de Beek did get an assist. F- funny to see him get in this game. Uh, this game didn't really mean anything for them. They already secured second, regardless of what anybody did. Um, Wolves, like you said, Wolves did absolutely nothing this year. They were level with uh, Fulham with top scores. Ruben Neves and Pedro Neto tied with five. So they were on the same playing field as Fulham with and Sheffield as well, just really struggling to score goals. And obviously, we say this every other week, uh, losing your the heart and soul of the team and your top goal scorer for the past couple of years, Raul Jimenez, is always tough. And having to put all your trust into an 18-year-old Fabio Silva who you brought in uh, this season, it's never going to work like that. And then they also had injuries with Pedro Neto. Uh, there were times, I think, with uh, Willie Bali got hurt in the back line, uh, Neves for a week or two. So it's very tough. We Like I said before, um, what I say with uh, one of the other teams earlier, you have to rotate fitness, uh, get guys in, get guys that are on the same page with the tactics. Uh, it's a very tricky thing to do as a manager. And Nuno kind of paid the price this year by getting sacked. Yeah. Uh, RIP. Another Portuguese guy coming in, though. Yeah, it's tough finishing seventh back-to-back years and then having a, about three steps back and finishing 13th. Uh, they really should have finished lower, but the teams below them were just that much poor, uh, which shows how, how poor teams can be in this league and get away with murder. But, um, yeah, what do you think of this either side here, Evan? Um, Hold on, I just got lost in a wormhole on Anthony Elonga. His dad played <laughs> in Sweden for Malmo. Um. Anyway, back to this game. I was I, I went into this game expecting a United win. Um, I was confident when I placed that bet that morning, uh, like <laughs> six fifteen a.m. or something, uh, before I went into work, that they would be the team to come out on top, and they were. Even a rotated team, I think, against this Wolves team, who have chronically underperformed all season, um, was always going to be the team to come out on top, and they were. A uh, good good result for United. I don't think they showed us anything that we didn't already know about them. Um, and I really don't think you can look into this too much 
well, we obviously saw how they performed in the Europa League, but um, this had no bearing on that because really um, none of the none of the guys were playing. It was it was all just uh, rotation guys. So um, the one thing I thought of note was Tellez. I would have liked to see more from this season. Uh, big big signing. They they got him for quite a bit. He came in and they didn't really play Alex Tellez all that much. I know he had some injury stuff. Um, in the beginning of the season, and then Van de Beek—that's that's the other thing of note. Um, I kind of can't believe that that he didn't get any playing time. I think he's a great player, and they wasted a year of his his prime. Um, he's he's actually going to be somebody I talk about when we do our awards. So, okay, that pretty much covers. I'm trying to. Get, I have so many tabs open here, and I'm Sorry. trying to like get all the right ones open, and it's just a big clusterfuck right now. All good. Um, so yeah, that reviews the recap. And now we're going to go over each team uh, in order from bottom to top where they finished in the league. Kind of review uh, what what their stats were overall for the season, whether it was possession, their goal difference, goals for, and all that. Uh, signings they made, uh, players they sold, and then kind of go from there. So Oh, and then also go over our, pre- our preview predictions uh for teams in in the league where they finish so starting off with southampton or not southampton why i say southampton i saw the s sheffield united okay obviously they finished 20th uh prediction wise evan you had them finishing 12th i had them finishing 15th Um, you won that one yeah, what you what you had to say about them was you said they were very good last year for the quality of players they had, which totally makes sense. I mean, at that time they had Dean Henderson in goal, uh, which I made the point of just losing him. I said at, at the time losing him could be could really hurt them, and at some of those games last season he saved them at least I would say five points, which could be the difference between staying up and going down. And other than that, I said they were pretty similar to Burnley in the fact that very tall, strong guys uh, launching the ball route one and set-piece heavy team that can really dominate in the air. Um, They averaged 43% possession. They had the most yellow cards this year with 73, which is a fucking lot. Goal difference of negative 43, 20 goals for lowest, 63 against. Top goal scorer was David McGoldrich with eight. Uh, Baldock, Fleck, Lundstrom tied with two assists and so not a very creative team passing the ball. Uh, the business they did, they signed Rian Brewster for 30 mil, Aaron Ramsdale for 22 mil. Uh, they got him, which was a huge signing for them. And then one of their big loans with a- was Ampathu from Chelsea. Uh, and then obviously the key departures, they had Dean Henderson go back to United and Surprisingly, they had Callum Robinson, who went to West Brom. And overall spending for the year, they had a negative $69 million spent. Um, What did you think of their overall season? Anything from what I said that caught your ear? What did you think overall there? Just bad. I mean, my my (laughs) prediction. They're just bad. That's all you have to say. That's That's literally it. They just, they were bad. They underperformed. Um. I think my prediction at the beginning of the season was actually pretty well informed. I mean, that's, I wouldn't change my mind if, if you took me back, um, and I knew the same thing. I'd probably give you the same answer. I just uh, and they underperformed. 
Um, those players had a season to uh, to kind of get seasoned and, and in shape for another one in the Prem, and, and they just didn't do that. They underperformed to all of them, uh, even their manager. So Chris Wilder, rest in piss. Uh, Sheffield, rest in piss. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's all I have to say. Good riddance, I guess. Okay, moving on. <laughs> 19th, West Brom. Okay, I had West Brom finishing 17th, two points off. Uh, I did think they were going to be a, a survivor there. I, I'll get to what I said, but Evan, you had them spot on 19th. Oh, how about that? That's pretty good. Yeah, good night, West Brom. I figured Just, they'd be going down. Overall, each of us had two teams spot on with our selections. That was all we had, so it was nothing special. But cool. so that was one of your teams. You had West Brom spot on in 19th. Uh, awesome. for, you, you didn't really have anything to say about West Brom. Uh, I said they know how to stick it out meaning just knowing how to pack it in, get the job done. This is when they had Slavin Bilic as their manager. Yeah. Uh, he was the first guy to go around that Christmas window. It was uh, the controver- first sack of the year. Yeah, it was right after a 1-1 draw against City at the Etihad, which was crazy. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, the, the reason I'm looking back and why I said that listening to that was just big guys, same exact reason for Sheffield. They just that big guys pack it in, route one. That's kind of how all these these teams from 13 to 20 play when they don't have the big money uh they can't sign the top quality players that are creative on the ball they just have to get guys that are solid can can kind of can kind of get into players heads a little bit uh be physical and just disrupt the play so that's what i had to say about west brom uh for their stats overall averaged 41 percent possession which was the worst in the league uh 72.2 percent pass completion second worst uh, goal differential of negative 41, which I believe was the worst as well. Uh, scored 35, 76 against. Absolutely criminal. Uh, bright spot for them, Mateus Pereira, top scorer with 11. Also topped with six assists. There's no doubt in my mind, if he does not leave West Brom, I don't know what he's doing with his career, and he needs to get a new agent. Uh, yeah, key, key signings. Carlin Grant, 18 mil. Grady Diagna from West Ham, 15. And this is another thing. They, they got Pereira from Sporting Lisbon for 9 mil, which is wild. Uh, and then they had Maitland-Niles come in January alone from Arsenal. Uh, and they didn't really have any big key departures, but uh, their transfer record for the year was negative 38 mil. Um, yeah. And- I mean, you, what, what would you have to say? <laughs> it's probably going to be pretty similar to Sheffield. But, I mean, with Big Sam coming in, he did not do his job, right? He's the guy you, you sign to get you out of the out of the bottom. Dude, I didn't think Slavin Bilic would be going as early as he was. That was actually kind really? of— Really? Yeah, it was kind of a shock, I thought. That was really early. Christmas you was early for a sack. That is the prime time for guys to go because that gives the manager the, the winter transfer window to bring guys in he want that he's familiar with. Yeah, but who the fuck was West Brom ever getting that was going to be able to sign big targets? Like that was never going to happen for a team like that. It's never going to happen. That, they got Diagna from Turkey. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. He scored one or two goals. Yeah, but but I I don't know. I thought that was early. I don't think they were that. I don't think they were playing that horribly. Like you said, he got sacked after a 1-1 draw at City. Uh, that was I think that was all, I think that was off like a huge like streak of just getting absolutely pumped. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it was, but like were they getting pumped any worse than like Southampton were at that point in the season because they there was a point where they were getting fucking yeah. railed 
and they didn't get rid of Hassenhutl. So yeah. I don't know. I just it was kind of a shock for me, and I don't think they ever recovered. They looked good with Big Sam for a couple of weeks when they were packing it in, and then teams realized that they could only pack it in for a little bit. Like that's that's just not sustainable unless you have top class players and rotation players at the same time. And West Brom are not a side to have that. So once teams figure that out and realize, like, oh my god, we can just abuse them, and eventually they'll yeah. crack because their quality's not there. Um, then it just it went as I would have expected. I guess I did, you know, I picked 19th for them at the beginning. I figured yep. they would go down, so uh, good on me, I guess. Yeah, you you, you don't really have much to say. You, you said it all back then. You were you knew from the start. Yeah. Uh, next, we have Fulham 18th. Um, Evan, you had them finishing dead last in 20th. You were two off. Nice. I had them finishing 16th, which was also two off. They were another one of my survivors. The only thing listening back um, when I was listening to the the prediction episode, right as soon as we start talking about it, you immediately said um, Fulham right off the back is going down. That's immediately what you said. Yeah, I was right. How true it was. It's a shame that I didn't know how in love I would become with their handsome yeah. manager. <laughs> I fell in love with Prince Charming. They ripped them away from me. Yeah. That's fucked. I yeah, I really liked him a lot. Oh, he he's just a handsome guy. Classically like British, same style. Just I don't yeah. know. It's, I don't have a problem saying he's he's a he's a good looking man. Um, but yeah, uh, what I have to say about this is I knew last season from the little bit that I had seen um, from clips in Match of the Day or whatever the fuck. Not match of the day, but like the broadcast from the lower leagues. You do get to see a little bit of how they play and. They didn't look like a side that were electric enough to come up and get the job done. And they've had issues in the past, right? There was a period where Fulham were okay. Um, they obviously had one of, one of my favorite players, great American striker, Clint Dempsey. Um, mm -hmm. One of the only before to really... Him, what's that? Before him, Brian McBride. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they had an American player who, who was doing it at the top level in Europe, which was even more rare than it is now. Um, now we kind of have a couple really solid European players or uh, American players in Europe. But yeah, I just didn't know. I, I didn't think that they had enough to to stick it with the best in the Premier League, especially after last season when some of those mid-table teams looked really sharp in Project Restart. Um, and I was right about that. I don't have much else to say other than they will be missed. I think they had a lot of really talented players and you know maybe – if it wasn't COVID and they had their fans, things would have panned out differently. I don't know. We can make that concession for know. all these clubs. Right. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, really unfortunate because I, I think I like Fulham. I like, I like the club. It seemed like um, Scott Parker really kind of had a home there and it, it was nice. It was nice to root for them. Like it is kind of nice to root for Leeds. So it was sad. It's sad to see them go down, but Hopefully Parker stays on and, you know, they fight for that promotion again and, and we get to see him back. Yeah, uh, it's going to be hard for them, especially with all the the guys they had loaned in are probably going to leave because they're not going to want to play in the championship. But uh, they average 50% possession, 67 yellow cards, second most. Goal differential, negative 26, 27-4, 53 against. Uh, like I said earlier in the show, Bobby D. cordova Reed was the top scorer with five. Adama Lookman with four assists. And they they had a long list of solid signings. Um, 
the biggest guy they brought in was Anthony Knockart from Brighton for 12 mil, who I didn't even know was on that team. Uh, Harrison Reed, Kenny Tede, Olaena, Lamino on loan, Anthony Robinson, uh, Lookman, uh, Tosin from Man City, Anderson, Loftus Cheek, Ariola. They had so many quality players in there from uh, all these top teams and just couldn't mesh it together. There wasn't like a, there wasn't a killer up top that could just bury the ball, which at the beginning of the season, so many people thought Mitrovic was going to be that guy because he was at Newcastle for a while and kind of did his thing. Um, the only departure they had was John Mikel Seri, who they loaned out to Bordeaux. And overall, they had a negative spending of uh, $41 million. So that is Fulham's story for the year. Uh, moving on, 17th, we had Burnley. Uh, Burnley, I had them finishing 10th. Uh, you had them finishing 9th. I think this was, for both of us, one of the worst ones we picked. Um, Burnley averaged 43.5% possession, 71.6 passing completion, which was the worst. Goal difference, negative 22, 33-4, 55 against. Uh, Chris Wood was their top scorer with 12, with Dwayne McNeil, 5 assists. No, no key signings. I had to put this one Come guy. On. Dale Stevens, 1.2 mil. Didn't even know he existed. Center midfielder. Dale uh, Stevenson? Yeah. Yeah. Key departures. Jeff Hendricks, they let go on a free to Newcastle. Joe Hart, they let go on a free to Spurs. Oh, yeah. And and a throwback, Aaron Lennon, they sold him on a free to a Turkish side with a transfer record of negative 1.2 million. So... <laughs> Uh, that is a key reason why they finished where they did because they did not spend any money. Um, notes, uh, I was the only one that said anything about Burnley. I said that I said they are a top 10 around that. Uh, their system is built around big guys, set pieces, and can grind games out, which is pretty much the same exact thing I said for Sheffield and uh, West Brom. Obviously, we've seen this season and from seasons in the past that that does not work nine times out of 10. Um, so, I mean, You've had your issues with Burnley betting on them throughout the, this year. Frauds. Uh, it's yeah, they're they're a hard team to kind of figure out. Uh, yeah, you have guys that you kind of rely on, like Nick Pope. We did talk about Tarkovsky had a bad year. Uh, Chris Wood had a bright, a bright was a bright spot with twelve goals. Uh, the man from New Zealand, um, Vidra, he kind of had a breakout year for you. You've mentioned him a couple times. Uh, and Dwight McNeil is also a young English winger who's a solid guy out there to have. So, I mean, they have they have guys in good good spots that are in solid positions, but I don't think they have a good spine of the team. Yeah, um, R.I.P. Dell Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> I look. I have his transfer market pulled up. He's uh, he's thirty one. I can't believe they paid one point two million for this guy. I could I could literally find you a better player in any park in the United States. They had they had to fill in the shoes of Jeff Hendricks. One point two million for this cat. That's crazy. If, I, if he's worth one point two million, I think I'm worth eight hundred k. Yeah, at least six figures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe a hundred. Yeah, I'm not even uh, talking fuck. about soccer. I just mean in general. This this guy's <laughs> he, he's only skills. played like one year, ever. Yeah, he, he, they got him from Brighton. Yeah, so weird. Um, but yeah. Oh, we are at an hour, by the way, so this is going to run long. Yeah, this is going to be a fucking absolute hauser. 
I'm gonna have to go get uh, some water. So keep going. Yeah, I'll, I'll review Brighton. Um, uh, Evan had Brighton finishing 17th. He was one off. Uh, I had them finishing in the relegation zone 19th. I was three off. Uh, going over their st- stats, we had them averaging 50.7% possession, which is kind of how Graham Potter operates. He loves having the ball. Uh, and they do have guys in there that can play the ball pretty well. Uh, they play a three in the back with, I think, Ben White. Uh, they had loaned, or no, they got him fully from Arsenal. Uh, previous year, he was on loan with Leeds uh, with the central partnership of Lewis Dunk, their captain. Solid player. He did have, I think, two red cards this year, maybe three. Uh, most in the league. And then uh, was Adam Webster's the other guy in there. Uh, so they have a solid back row. Uh, and then Robert Sanchez in goal, who they got through their academy, a very solid Spanish goalkeeper, who I did think, I, I'm pretty sure he made the Euro, the Euro squad, which is great credit to him. Uh, like I said, they had the most red cards, six red cards. Uh, goal difference, negative six, which is not bad for, for finishing where they did. Or I shouldn't say that. For where they finished, having a negative goal, six goal differential is pretty good. Uh, 40 goals for, 46 against. Neil Mupay, top scorer with eight. Pascal Gross with eight assists. Key signings, uh, Jakob Moder, the Polishman, the man from Poland, 12 mil. Moises Caicedo, a young center mid from, I think they got him from Colombia, Val- Valencia, or Valencia, Venezuela. Five and a half mil, and then, like I said, Robert Sanchez through Academy, and also picking up some experience through Lalana and Danny Welbeck on freeze. Uh, key departures: Anthony Knockart, thirteen mil; Aaron Moy, five mil. Transfer record: negative eight point seven. Uh, are you there, Ev? I'll take it as a no. Uh, I didn't have anything to say about Brighton here in the previous episode, but Evan said. Brighton will most likely survive uh, because they have grinded out a couple games. And that's kind of what they did this year. Um, we did, they had at the end of the year a great win against Man City. Um, draws against who, who was that? I mean, they led the league with 14 draws, which is a fucking lot, almost more than their losses. Um, they got a key draw against Chelsea. Uh, lost to Arsenal there. Uh, big win against Tottenham. Leeds. Uh, draw against West Ham. So they they did get solid results. Draw against Liverpool, against top sides here. Uh, compete against United there. Draw against Chelsea. Um, so yeah, I mean they they had an overall good year. They they just really need to think about. Uh, their recruitment and dig deep in the transfer market to really find guys that can help Graham Potter's style and really build onto that type of mentality to move up the table, which is going to be really hard for them because not a lot of people are going to want to go play for Brighton. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Is there anything you wanted to say about Brighton before we moved on? No, I don't like watching them at all. I literally get more tired every time I watch them. I'm just yeah. get more bored with them, dude. Free Danny Welbeck. Yeah, I, I mean, he has his <laughs> issues with injury, but I don't know if you heard me earlier, but I said that uh, what you had to say about the predictions was uh, you said Brighton will most likely survive because they, they've grinded out a couple games. That's what you had to say about them. Yeah. 
Pretty much true. Uh, you had them finishing 17th, so you were one off. That's pretty good. So, I mean, being one off is a pretty good pick anyway. I, I would consider that spot on. Yeah, I, I for agree. For how hard it is. Yeah, this uh, is a hard we, thing to do. Yeah, I mean, uh, I added up, once we get to the end, I added up the amount of positions we were off. I made, like, a total score. So, like, the next year we can see if we do better. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so, Southampton, 15th. Uh, you had them 13th. I had them 11th, so you beat me there. Uh Average possession, 51%. Goal differential, negative 21. Danny Ings, top score with 12. Ward-Prowse with seven assists. I think he led the league in free kick goals. He had at least six or seven. Yeah. Uh, key signings, Kyle Walker-Peters, Mo Salisu, uh, and Ibrahim Diallo with loans from Minamino and Walcott. I think they signed Walcott on a permanent now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's an uh, interesting one to permanently sign, considering he's 900 years old. Yeah, they got him from Everton, so Everton's happy to get his wages off the book uh, to help pay for more Hamas time. Uh, and then they had key departures. Uh, Pierre, Emil Hoiberg, huge one, sold to Spurs, 18 mil. Harrison Reed to Fulham, and they loaned out uh, Lamina to to Fulham, I think they did. Yeah. So they had a negative 12 million transfer record, which isn't pretty, which isn't uh, that bad. Not awful. Uh, um, and then in the preview episode, neither of us really had anything to say about them. I think back then, we both thought they would be fairly solid team in the league with, with Danny Ings coming off a 20-plus goal season. Yeah. Uh, and then other guys performing well, just a solid overall team. Uh, I don't, I, we didn't really see them having a year they did like this, getting embarrassed at times. So I, what did you, you see anything different? from them throughout the year or any players that kind of let you down or um sorry we're on um southampton right yeah no i mean nothing it's just like more of the same mid shit you have vestergaard who gives you like a solid performance in the back right for the most part james ward browse yeah. you have as your free kick merchant who which is all he does he literally only scores free kicks and he's great at them, but they don't have and and Ings underperformance. That's all I can say. I think truly he is <coughs> fucking hell. He is capable of being a top class Premier League scorer. There's something about him that has like the same DNA as a prolific guy like Vardy, or you're seeing another English goal scorer like that in um Patrick Bamford. Ings has that same capability and quality and just I mean, there there are other teams talking about picking him up even because they think they could, you know, he could be a serviceable striker. And I just think that's an underperformance from him as their lead guy, their lead scorer. He had injuries, of course, but they don't have enough. They don't, they just don't have enough to be a team that's going to challenge for the top four really ever. They always find this weird form for like, 10 weeks and then for the next 10 weeks they're awful and it's just on and off and on and off and there's no consistency really and it's just I don't know uh, under honestly kind of underachieved I think there was some slots this season that they could have slid into it and they didn't Things <laughs> obviously with his injury issues kind of puts him as like a rotation uh, striker for one of the bigger clubs uh, he obviously can't play a full season without getting hurt at least once or twice um that's why we've seen the kind of the 
the coming out party for Che Adams. He had nine goals, uh, Ward Prowse with eight. Uh, also, like his seven assists, I said earlier. So, I mean, they have good building blocks to go off of there. They have solid players. Uh, I think goalkeeper is a huge issue they have. Uh, Fraser Foster, Forster kind of got took, taken a backseat to Alex McCarthy and goal. They, they don't really have a key guy there. Yeah, uh, I think they need to invest into a goalkeeper to really uh, earn them like an extra five or six points that can really turn their season around. It's probably a fair shout. Uh, okay, I'm gonna like cut the stats a little bit just so we can get faster through this episode. Uh, Palace 14th. Uh, Evan, you had them 16th. You were two off. I had them 13th. I was one off. So we were pretty, pretty fair with our assessment for where we had them. Um, same thing with Brighton. You said they're just gonna survive. Uh, not enough shots and balls. You said they don't take enough shots and their balls get stuck in the midfield a lot. Um, where was it here? I had them. There was like a crazy stat I saw. Uh, that's gonna be take me too long to find. But like, they had like the least amount of crosses. They had the least amount of like pat long distance passes. They like played everything short up front. Um, they were just a very bland team to watch. And I mean, overall, like they weren't. They did have their key moments. Um, they were one of the lower possession teams, around forty three percent. Uh, negative 25 goal differential. Zaha led the team with 11 goals. Uh, Eze with six assists. Unfortunately for him, I think he's got an Achilles issue, injury that he'll be out until Christmas, which is sad to see for him because he was really heating up for that team. Um, he was their biggest signing with 20 mil. Uh, other signings they had was Batshuayi from Chelsea fell flat on his face. Uh, Klein from free. Uh, Tyreek Mitchell at left back was a huge uh, academy player they had uh, really showed how, what he can do and his potential uh, only departure or two key departures they had alexander sorloth uh, norwegian striker oh, yeah. they sold for a 22 mil didn't even know he played there and then mm-hmm. our max meyer they sold on a free uh to back to germany he i think four years ago he was like net de- deemed to be like the next like muller or uh royce or something kind of like draxler yeah he was in yeah. the same conversation as as draxler which is crazy yeah. to think yeah he went to the wrong premier league team to That's continue sure. his career uh but uh negative 2.6 mil transfer uh and all i had to say about pass was they were a top 15 team which they were so um, anything else that you saw? Any other key players that came out this year surprised you? Um, not, I mean, not on, not on Palace. Uh, good, good to see Eze get some more experience and uh, and further sharpen his game. And I think um, Zaha proves to me year in and year out that you know if he was on a better team, if he was on a United or he was on an Arsenal, like I would love to see Zaha on an Arsenal kid. I think he would do so fucking well there. Um, I think he has the right mentality. He's too much of a hothead. Yeah, I think. I I guess. I mean, I guess that's part of why he's still at Palace, right? That's why teams aren't aren't willing to pull the trigger because I think talent wise, if you don't consider his his mental baggage or whatever you want to call it, um, he's he's really solid. He has a ton of talent, a ton of skill on the ball. Um, can play him on the wing, can play him up top, play him in the midfield attack and going forward. Uh, I think he has a lot of value, and uh, I'd be curious to see what he would do in a team with players who can do more because 
um, that this you know Palace team year in and year out is is <laughs> they're like uh, the Oakland Athletics Moneyball of the Prem. That's that's how I see Palace. They're like a perennial contender, con- not a contender, but they're always going to give you a fight to stay in, um, and they're just kind of scraped by. They're more run like a business by Steve Parish than than a football club. Yeah, I totally agree with that point. Uh, moving on, thirteenth, we had Wolverhampton. As I punch my mic, um, Wolves. Okay one of the ones we had really off here. Uh, wow. You had them finishing seventh. I had them finishing eighth. We thought they were going to have another solid year uh, like the previous two. We were totally off. Um, you had to say they were a solid squad. I had to say uh, Ruben Neves only scores screamers. <laughs> sure. I remember that. I thought about that the other day. That is true. You did say that. He he, he was joint top goal scorer with five with Pedro Neto. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I don't think anywhere like top screamers. Even though uh, one of my goals of the year, one of my goal of the year contenders was from a Wolves player. Uh, was not him though. Uh, Pedro Neto led the team with six assists. Key signings: uh, Kian, I can't pronounce it. Huiva, Dutchman, Levin Mill, fullback Nelson Semedo on the other side, thirty-three mil from Barca, uh, and their big signing Fabio Silva, eighteen-year-old from FC Porto, forty-four million dollars. Yeah, I think he only scored three goals this year. Yeah, he's a fraud, that cat. He's not very good. I, I, I wouldn't call him a fraud. He's 18. He kind of got thrown into the mix. He wasn't... They thought he would be groomed by um, Raul Jimenez. He, they didn't think he'd get as many minutes. He did finish with four goals, which was second on the team. Um, joint with Raul Jimenez for the time he did play. Um, so, yeah, I mean, their key thing was goals, which key departures, Diego Jota, $49 million. Helder Costa, another winger, nineteen and a half million. Matt Doherty, eighteen and a half mil. Uh, finished with a net uh, uh, negative four mil in the transfer transfer budget. So like they cleaned up their books there with what they did, uh, buying and selling. Um, Business wise, they kind of finished there, but they just didn't have the quality that they did in the past. Uh, Creation wise, the with Doherty whipping balls in uh, with. Diego Jota being a, like a three-headed monster up there with with um, Potence and Raul Jimenez. And then they had Neves and Moutinho in behind, uh, also being a year younger Moutinho. So it's hard to, year after year, if you're not one of those top teams that are constantly bringing in the next best player in the world, um, you're having to dig deep out of your academy or take chances on guys that haven't had a chance in the league to really make their stamp, it's tough to consistently finish with the big boys. So I I, I definitely, I mean, looking back, it's obviously easier, but this eventually was going to happen to Wolves. Yeah, I mean, this was an underperformance, like, like you've said. Um, it comes down to Jimenez for me. That's actually the only thing that matters. He was the heart and soul. He was the scorer. He was the guy that everybody looked to. And because he was the, that really strong target man who even had a little bit of pace and, and style and flair in the bag, um, he opened up opportunities for other guys like Traore um, and like those other pacier Portuguese players to just open things up and get in on the flanks. And they <laughs> they played a buccaneering style of football behind um, the, the guy that I'm fucking Nuno, who I literally already forgot who he was. 
because um, yeah. he'll just go back into obscurity now. That's what happens. Um, you know, when they had Jimenez in there, they could afford to play that style. And when they lost him, they lost their identity, I think. Um, last yeah. season, he was really one of the guys, him and Jota. Um, well, that's another thing that we can't forget about. Um, mm-hmm. What a deadline signing by, by Liverpool. Signing of the season for that, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Up there. Yeah, so so losing Jota and then losing Jimenez, that's it. Um, when when that happened, there would have been no way for us to understand that um, Jimenez, <laughs> excuse me, would go out and to none other than David Luiz. But um, yeah. there there would have been no way for us to know that. So you know, no. we, we guessed eighth, ninth, and we we were off. But uh, this was probably this was one of the teams where I was just way off. That's all. Yeah, uh, moving on to 12th, we had Newcastle. Uh, this was another one you got one off, solid. Uh, you had them 11th. Uh, I had Newcastle 14th, so only two off, so we were in the we were in the right area. Um, they averaged 41.6% possession, second lowest, goal differential negative 16. Callum Wilson top scorer with 12, also led the team with five assists. He was the one of their key signings, uh, 24.5 mil. Jamal Lewis, left back from Norwich, 18. Uh, I said earlier, Jeff Hendricks on a free. They also got Ryan Frazier on a free. And then, obviously, pretty much the guy that locked up their 12th position, Joe Willock, on loan from Arsenal in the winter. Uh, departures, the only ones really that were on there was Yedlin to Turkey, Galatasaray, mm-hmm. and then Rolando Ahrens to the championship. I didn't even know he was still at the club. He's been there so long, yeah. uh, but transfer-wise, they had a negative forty-two and a half million dollar spend. Uh, so the books they did not do well there, but not not nobody's really looking to buy any players from there besides St. Maxman and Callum Wilson at this point. Um, yeah. the The only things we had to say was you had you said Newcastle were going to be a relegation survivor, which you weren't wrong at a time they were really at that they were spot. Close, yeah. So you weren't wrong there. And then uh, I didn't really have anything to say about them. But yeah, I mean, they did have problems uh, towards the end of winter, early spring window with Steve Bruce and the style of play they had. They um, they obviously had injuries to their most dynamic attacking players with Wilson picking up a hamstring issue for eight weeks and then St. Maxman as well with uh, ankle issues. So really having to dig deep and have to go very far in the depth chart to field the team and it just didn't work for a while but um what did you think of their season obviously i'm sure you have something to say about joe uh willock and probably shit on the longstaff brothers as well no i'm gonna let the longstaff brothers get off they they did all right managing to get um newcastle into 12th i mean it's it's decent. That's it's where they belong. That's just the kind of club they are. I know I talked about Palace earlier. Kind of similar. I see them in the same light. And um you know, Newcastle had a couple of good grindy results. They they really got steely when they needed to and they even kept it close with some of those bigger clubs. I mean, they had a 3-4 against City. They had a you know, they they won against Leicester on May 7th. Yep. Um, and then they did beat those teams that were shittier than them. They they capitalized on the games against Sheffield. They capitalized against the games, you know, against the Fulham and teams like that. They they beat West Ham this season as well. So yep. Newcastle they they played up and and they played into their competition really well this season, which is something <clears throat> you don't always get from them. So I think that's something to to value treasure. 
And, you know, it is guys like Willick that they brought in that were really strong and really helped them secure um, points in those later weeks. Like we said, seven goals in the last seven games. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Um, for those games, he came off the bench. He wasn't even starting. So important, uh, really nice to see as well. And I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna shit on Newcastle. I was, I was pretty close to where they'd be, but um, yeah, good on them, I guess. I hope they fucking get rid of Big. Uh, what's his name though? Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce. Yeah, not Big Sam. They yeah, need a better. Uh, they need a younger manager in there. Something. They need some fresh blood in there. <laughs> Maybe they get Scotty P. Oh my god, dude, that'd be fucking huge. Give him around too. That'd be huge. Uh, I mean, we can always dream, but um, uh, yeah. from twelfth from twelfth to seventeenth position, there was only six points difference, and then there was a massive jump from twelfth to eleventh. There's a ten point gap there, so this is the difference between quality from this two segments of the table. So eleventh, uh, we had Aston Villa finish on fifty five points. Um, this, I will say right now, is one of the worst ones that both of us had. Uh, we both had them finishing in 18th, relegating. Now, at this time, they had no business done, nothing attacking-wise. They had no Ollie Watkins. They had no Bertrand Traore. They didn't have any. They, they had Martinez in there. They had Matty Cash. I think they secured Ross Barkley later. But at the time of recording, they had nothing done. Yeah. So that that's the only thing I'll say to cover our asses. But still, um, yeah. That's what did I? I didn't. Have, that's what we really had to say. That no, they had no business done really. But they end. They ended up having a very solid season and got big wins over teams, uh, big signings that were successful. Um, they averaged forty nine percent possession, goal differential of plus nine. I think this is the first positive goal differential we've done so far. Holly Watkins top score with fourteen first season in the Prem. Grealish with ten assists. Even though he's out for three months, he probably would have had more assists than Harry Kane if he played a full season. Uh, and then key signings, like I said, Ali Watkins, Traore, Martinez from Arsenal. Uh, they did pick up Sanzone in the midfield from, I think, uh, what's it, Leon, not Leon, Marseille, uh, Madikas, Barkley, and they didn't, they didn't really sell anybody. So this is one of the big uh, transfer spending years they had, even though I said at the start they didn't make any business. They spent $108 million uh, throughout the whole season, and it really showed. um, I mean, if you're spending that much money, you want to be in contention for European competition, and they were at a time, and it just fell off because of the quality of players and consistency. Um, With Jack Grealish getting hurt, um, Ming's not, or uh, not Ming's, Konza getting hurt in there. Uh, them having to throw a youngster in there in, uh, I think, Courtney Hawes. Uh, I think Ming's had a solid year back there. Obviously, Martinez, uh, top three goalies this season. Uh, really, after leaving Arsenal, he's been able to show everybody what he's capable of. And, I mean, I'd hope to see him uh, this summer in the Copa America with Argentina uh, competing for that starting position. That'd be great for him. Um, but w- what do you think about Aston Villa and going forward? Well, I think now the the thing is, if they're going to keep Grealish and and really kind of try and build around him, maybe get some younger guys in. They do have Watkins, like like we said, that's kind of big. You have two, you know, England call ups there on in in that team, good quality players. I think the expectation for them goes up certainly. Um, you and I, and I think a lot of other teams were were predicting them to be in that 
um, latter half of the table and yeah, they overperformed. Totally. I mean, a mid table, mid table finish for Aston Villa. They're a small club. That's, that's the nature of it. They are a small club and a mid table finish for Aston Villa, um, is, is a good result. Just like Newcastle. I've nothing to say, but you know, good things here for Villa. I think it was an overperformance really. Um, yeah. I mean, we were how many slots away? We were seven, seven each. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot. So, um, overperformance for Villa, and if they can if they can shore up the defense a little bit and retain some of those upset performances that they had against the top six, then I think they could make another really solid run. Maybe try and contend for those that European Conference spot. Yeah, the Conference League. <laughs> yeah, that that's the next step for those guys. But um, yep, I I in my opinion, I think their main issue is midfield. I think Douglas Louise is an all right holding midfielder in there. Other than him, they don't really have any depth at that position. They'll really lock things down. I think they should make a go at either getting Yoku Sly from West Brom or Angiza from Fulham. I think those guys had solid years. Um, and going down, I think Yokozlai was on loan from Celta Vigo, and I think Angisa is permanently with Fulham. But if they can really lock up that holding mid spot to let the other two midfielders creatively go forward more, I think that'll really open up the floodgates for players like Grealish and Watkins going forward to have fun. Uh, but moving on, 10th, Everton. Um, both of us had. I had them finishing seventh. I was three off. You had them finishing at eighth, which is two away, which is respectable. Um, right outside of that conference league spot. Um, average 47% possession, negative one goal differential. Uh, would have been positive if they didn't face City at the end. DCL, even though he had a slow mid to end season, finished with 16 goals. Uh, Lucas Digne, seven assists. Key signings Ben Godfrey, Allen, Decore, James Rodriguez. <laughs> Key departure, Morgan Schneiderland, 2.4 mil. Uh, and then they loaned out Balassi, Tosin, uh, John Joe Kenny. And then I didn't even know that Leighton Baines retired. He did indeed, so, yeah. Yeah, he was 35. So yep. transfer record of, or transfer spending, negative 77.5 mil. Um, all you really had to say was DCL was a solid player. Yeah. Uh, and then I said that they could push for Europa League with James. Um, and then I also foreshadowed that they didn't haven't beaten Liverpool in so long, which they did this year, which is nice to see. Um, what do you think about Everton, the crumble, uh, it, DCL, anything they can do in the transfer market? I mean, we talked about this. I talked about this kind of in depth earlier when we went over that performance by Everton because it kind of characterized yeah. everything, right? Really good start, good quality in their team and coach, which is not <laughs> really characteristic of Everton. Um they had a better chance this year than they've had in years past and they didn't they, they didn't do enough with it. They squandered it. So I was I was kind of upset about that. But um yeah, I just not really happy with them. And sorry everybody that I'm starting to like quiet down a little bit. My cough gets really bad at night. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on uh Leeds ninth you had them finishing at 15th. You were six off. Uh, I put more faith in them. I said they were going to finish 12th. That's I was pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, so not too bad. Uh, 55% possession, uh, which is one of the better stats. Uh, or one, They were higher in possession in the league. 
amongst the better teams. Uh, plus eight in goal differential. Bamford finished with 17. Rafinha, nine assists. Uh, they spent $116 million, the most so far out of all the teams we've reviewed. Uh, those being Rodrigo, Diego Lorente, Rafinha, Helder Costa, Robin Koch, and Ilan Meslier, who I thought was probably uh, top two signings of the season for them in goal. I think he's 20, 21-year-old Frenchman they got from uh, one of the French leagues. He was so good this year. A uh, very underrated player. Uh, but you had to say that um, Leeds had quality young players like Calvin Phillips, which you've said before. Um, and then I also said that they were doing a lot of good business. So uh, they spent their money wisely, and they actually spent their money, unlike the other teams uh, in that level. Yeah. Um, other than Aston Villa, that they they meant business. They got all that money, and they spent it wisely. Uh, moving on forward, I'd have to say keep investing into that defense because. They have aging players back there. Um, another year of experience for some other players. I thought um, Elioski at left back, mm-hmm. kind of right back. He was kind of iffy at times. Um, naturally, I think Stuart Dallas plays back there, but they moved him into a midfielder role, and he scored a lot of goals for them. Yeah, uh, Key goals, especially the one against Man City to get the win over them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have guys out wide like Rafinha and Jack Harrison. They had him on loan from Man City. You can't forget that. Uh, solid players. Uh, and then Bamford. They, I think if they can find him a partner, a rotation guy, I think Tyler, Tyler Roberts is that guy. Yeah. If they can get a partner for him that can score 8 to 10 goals, I think they can jump up into that, that conference league play. I hope so. I mean, I really like the way Leeds play. They're mega entertaining. Um, even if they can't get themselves into the Conference League or Europe, even Europa League, like if <laughs> if Leeds are going to be in ninth or tenth or eleventh place um, <clears throat> for the next couple of years, they're going to make they're going to make watching the game so much more fun because yeah, they just they give you so many good results. Okay, moving on. Arsenal in eighth. We both had them finishing fifth. Three. <coughs> you didn't really have anything specific to say about Arsenal. I said that Arsenal was going to finish above Spurs because of the lack of signings they had. And then I also added on another year of experience for Saka. Uh, wow. He was kind of their young player of the year there. I also mentioned Enketi in there too, but he kind of didn't get a good show. Yeah, Enketi is dead. A good shake. Yeah. Uh, Arteta doesn't like him. Yeah, they averaged fifty-two point seven percent possession, eighty-five percent pass completion, uh, respectable goal differential at plus sixteen, uh, thirty-nine against, which was the third best or third lowest, I should say. Uh, Lacazette was their top scorer with thirteen, yeah. uh, followed by Pepe and Aubameyang with ten. Willie w- Willian with the most assists with five, controversially. Uh, Key signings, Partey, 55 mil, Gabriel, center back, 28, and then Odegaard on the loan. Uh, and then they had key departures of Martinez, uh, Guendouzi on loan, Kolesnach, Socrates, Mustafi, Mkhitaryan, and then obviously Ozil. Yep. A lot of guys left. No money, though. A lot of those guys went on freeze, unfortunately. So yeah. they finished on a negative 73 mil. Obviously, a club like Arsenal can make that back um, through merchandise, through tickets, through events and all that stuff. So yeah. not as bad for them as the smaller clubs that have to really gun gun for it. Yeah. Uh, but 
I mean, you can really harp on their season overall better than I can. So what do you think about Arsenal's season overall? Where do you see them moving forward now that they're not playing in Europe for the first time in a very long time? And uh, I guess other plans they might have. Well, as for where I can see them moving forward, I think not being in Europe is big for Arsenal. I think that's going to be very important. I think it gives Arteta more time with the team. I think it gives them more time to just focus on the Prem and getting themselves back to where a team like Arsenal should be because eighth is not something that's sustainable for a team like Arsenal. I mean, I know that we've seen dips in form for other uh, solid clubs, even Chelsea in years past, have finished down south. The year where Gus Poyet had to come in, I remember that well. Um, But it it can't happen a couple seasons in a row. Uh, they need to bounce back. I don't know if Arteta's the guy for it, but I think he's got more time on his hands now, obviously, um, not being in Europa League or Champions League. No competition. So <clears throat> he, he should be able to get a better read on the guides, a better hold on the guys, rather, a uh, better hold in the locker room, and I think you'll see everything improve. And once we get some of these older guys out, and even if we're going to get newer guys in um, and establish you know, maybe some winning culture with that, I think that's enough um, in terms of one season improvement. So I'm just hoping next season that we can get the mindset right. And then maybe the next year um, when party is kind of developed, I think a little more too in that team as a defensive leader, um, maybe that, that next year after next year will be, uh, will be the the year that we execute. Yeah. Well, Arsenal haven't finished in the top four uh, for the past five seasons. And last year, Last year they did finish in eighth as well, but they got away with it because they won the FA Cup, so that put them right into the the Europa League. So um, should be interesting to see what business they can manage to do and what players they can lure into the club with the the reputation they have with having high quality players like Aubameyang and um, uh, Lacazette and uh, stars upcoming stars like Smith Rowe and Saka and uh, Martinelli can really see what they could pull but uh moving forward the arch rivals tottenham in seventh right above them one point uh we both had them finishing sixth so we were one off there uh tottenham 51 percent possession plus six plus 23 goal differential harry kane uh top scorer 23 uh won the goal to boot uh most assists with 14 also most assists so you can't really ask much more out of a player than that finishing first in both categories um uh they made they did a lot of business if you look back lacelzo regulon doherty hoiberg bale uh and they didn't really sell anybody besides kyle walker peters and letting vertongan go on a free to benfica so a negative 107 mil spent uh you didn't really have anything to say about spurs and then same thing as with aston villa i said they didn't really sign anybody at the moment um I didn't recognize any of these players really. So, a lot of defensive players, even that there with Lacelzo and Hoiberg as holding mids, uh, Doherty and Regulon being attacking fullbacks, and then obviously Bale there um, trying to turn the clock back, which he kind of did um, 11 goals in 20 matches, which is very good. Uh, hopefully, he doesn't retire for his for for a fan's sake because he's he's a he's a quality player still. Um, Obviously, that depends on his interests with golf and whatnot or whatever yeah. is going on in his head. But overall, I think it was a pretty poor year for Tottenham with the Mourinho effect. Um, 
Mourinho ran his cycle on the club and was forced out, and Ryan Mason at the latter stage did what best he could, but couldn't pull through with um, finishing top six. Um, what do you think about Tottenham? What do you think about the Harry Kane saga? Can they keep him? Um, will it affect the morale of the team? Maybe Sun decides, maybe I don't want to stick around either. Uh, I want to win something too. I haven't won anything here either. Um, is that going to affect the team locker room and the chemistry? Or do you think it's just Harry Kane trying to get more money out of Tottenham? Well, I think a couple of those things uh, I'll try and kind of discuss in unison. But uh, yeah. the whole leaving thing for Bale and for Kane, I mean, together, I think is just indicative of, of what Tottenham are right now. They don't have a really strong club identity. And while they do have one of the biggest fan bases in, in England, um, and they're, you know, top six club, they just don't have the owner, one, with, with Levy. He's, he's awful, yeah. right? He's, he's horrible. And they don't have the, the identity as a winning club. And they are not going to be. And you're going to continue to see players leave like this. Kane leaving is going to be the first one. And then you're going to see the rest of them follow, I think. So, yeah. trickle effect. Yeah. And, and you know how much Kane's worth. You know how much Sun could be worth. This season, maybe, you know, was a little bit of a um, slower year for him. But he's they've certainly both exhibited um, their worth. So, I just, I think Tottenham are, are now heading towards a really dark time. And you are going to see Kane leave. And I know they're reaching out for Pochettino, but there's no way. There's just no way. And I know they today they just a couple hours ago established contact with him um, for the first time. But I do not see him coming back. And if you don't get Poch back, then you don't keep Kane. You don't return yourself to winning form like you were under Pochettino. Um, and he, like, literally, if they can get Pochettino back from PSG... I actually think that Tottenham will be probably finished second next year. If they don't, there's no way. Yeah. Dude, he he fits something about Pochettino fits Tottenham so well. They perform so well with him. Well, he is familiar with the club being there for so long and I mean, with the Harry Kane and Bale departures, together they scored 34 goals, which is half of the goals they scored this season and then if you add Sun, he scored 17. Yeah. That's 51 goals out of their 66. So. It's insane. And the, the next t- top scorer is Ndombele and, and Lucas with three each. So it shows you where their team relies on, on, on uh, the players. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, they need to do some business. Um, I don't know how much the, the conference league is going to be a bargaining chip, but... Yeah. Um, We'll have to wait and see. And they're still trying to pay off for their new stadium, too. So COVID didn't help with that either. It was poor timing. Um, But moving on to a team that really overachieved in a lot of people's eyes, and especially in my my prediction self, West Ham in six. Uh, You're probably going to laugh at this. Um, uh, You had West Ham finishing 14th, which was eight off. About right. I had West Ham finishing dead last. Yeah, that's insane. 14 off, by far the worst. Um, what did I have to say? I, <laughs> I didn't have anything to say about him. It was, it was on the same lines. It was just no business. Um, <laughs> th- this was before Lingard. I think this was before... Obviously, 
we have no idea who the fuck Suchek and Kufal are, right? I don't know. I don't know. Any, I don't watch the Czech League. No, we any. didn't know that going into this. No, I don't know them. Declan Rice was solid back there. Um, Akbana, um, Craig Dawson, when they brought him in, I didn't think he'd do fuck all um, with his West Brom background, getting pumped all the time. He had a surprisingly good stint there. Yeah. Um, and then guys like uh, Ben Rama coming from Brentford. I, I did know about Ollie Watkins and that. And uh, Ben Rama did have good moments, but he was very creative and, and uh, decisive going forward. So um, they really shocked a lot of people. Um, they only averaged 44.5% possession, which was the lowest in the top half teams, uh, plus 15 goal differential. Uh, Antonio and Suchek top scores with 10, Cresswell with 8 assists. Uh, and then, like I said, their key signings, all the guys I mentioned, um, key departures, uh, Sebastian Haller got some money back there for 25 mil, uh, Diagna for 15. And then shockingly, they loaned out Felipe Anderson, who I think two seasons ago was like their top uh, transfer fee, which was like for 40 million or something. They got him from, uh, um, where'd they get him from? Lazio, I think. So yeah. negative nine and a half mil spent. So they kind of evened out there. Um, top six for them is wild because they haven't done this in what is that five six seasons? Yeah, it was the same season as uh the Leicester season when they won. So, I mean, is there a way West Ham can keep all these players? No, or do you think they're gonna get plucked off a little bit? <clears throat> I think they're gonna lose some of them, I think they'll retain some as well, but um. I don't know if this is realistic for us to start expecting this from West Ham. Um, no. Nah. You know, I don't I don't really see a way back like for Tottenham right now without Poch, but I don't think West Ham are the team that are going to slide in um, with that big six thing. Uh, this is also assuming that Arsenal somehow become good again. I, I don't yeah, know why yeah, I do right. that, but um, yeah, uh, we'll have to see. I, I think this was certainly an overperformed uh, season for West Ham and and Moyes, I mean, he, he we need to give him credit, but uh, Moyes and some overperformances from Lingard, who just became Lingardino um, yeah. for, for 10 of those weeks, five of those weeks there. Uh, that's that's what got them up here. And, you know, the grind portion of the season when everybody else was dropping points, West Ham were picking them up. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, really, really fun to watch, though, as well. And before we move on to, to Leicester, what I'm going to say is you and I need to just – Next week, do our awards because this is long. This is so fucking long. I don't think we've ever done a show like this. How long is it right now? (laughs) It's already two hours long. Is it actually? Yeah. Fuck. So we'll have to save them or or do them like separate because it's just going to be too much for people to listen to at once, I think. All right, then I'll cut shit even less. All right, Leicester Leicester in fifth. Top scorer was Vardy with 15 goals, nine assists also there. Um, you had them finishing 10th. I had them finishing 9th, so we thought they were going to be subpar. Yeah. Uh, they shocked us there, plus 18 goal difference. Uh, big signings in Fafana and Castagna in the back. Uh, key departure, Chilwell. Yeah. Uh, e- pretty even there. Pretty evened out the books there. Um, you instantly said Leicester, Europa League, question mark. Uh, and then you, what you would follow, say, there was the aging defense and then a lack of big money. So. They kind of covered the, your fir- first point there with the signings of Fofana as center back. He's 20. And then Castagna as a right wing back, 22. So they kind of got some youth in there. 
uh, to fill in with Johnny Evans and uh, Su Yen Chu. Um, and then what I had to say with Lester was, uh, are they going to have a, the COVID restart crumble kind of thing? And then will they lose key players? Um, which I don't think they did. They they kind of had a breakout year with players with uh, James Madison, Yuri Tillemans, um, what's my, uh, Fofana the first season, Castagna at a time, right. Ian Ancho. So the pressure wasn't all on Jamie Vardy and uh, Schmeichel in the back and Evans. There were there were other guys to rely on. Harvey Barnes, you kind of forget about him because he had a very big injury uh, a couple months ago that sidelined him the remainder of the season. So Brendan Rodgers, I think, is up there for manager of the season, top five. He won't win it. Uh, previous with West Ham, I think Moises is up there too. Um, both both clubs did very well to break that top six and kind of put a dent into that Super League talks because two of those teams that were involved in it didn't get. Uh, didn't finish above these teams that were excluded, so that's good for them. But um, I think it's a. I think with the season they had, uh, you would think at the start Europa League for Leicester is good. That would be a solid season for them. But yeah. they were in top four for the longest time. They were in third, second at one point, and I think it was kind of a bad season for them. They should have finished top four. Yeah, that's that's probably true. Um. It's the it's the the choke job, right? Same same as last season and project the restart. Cr- the crumble. It's the Leicester City crumble. Truly, the Leicester City shuffle at the end of the season. It all just falls apart for them, and yeah. it's crazy because they're the team to capitalize on underperforming, um, against underperforming top six clubs and obviously small mediocre clubs as well, in the middle and early part of the season. So it always takes a little bit for Leicester to heat up. They're super sharp, like inferno hot, and then they cool off the end of the season. That's two years in a row now. Um, yeah. Kind of a worrying trend. Yeah, I don't know what um, Rodgers is going to have to do to finish the year strong. He might have to incentivize the players in a way. I don't know, with like a trip to Mykonos or something wild. But um, <laughs> they're going to have to figure some shit out. Uh, moving on fourth, we had Chelsea. Uh, I'm going to say this with our predictions we predicted the top four correctly not in the exact order for all of them but we picked the top four correctly yeah. which if you think about it was not pretty not very hard to do if you have any soccer soccer iq yeah but um chelsea filling in that fourth spot um i had them finishing second um optimistically and you had them finishing third so you were pretty good there 58% possession, 87% pass completion, second in the league, plus 22 goal difference, 36 goals against, second lowest. Um, hurts me to say, Jorginho top score with seven, all penalties. Uh, team of earner, eight assists. Um, obviously, we had the biggest uh, activity in the transfer market. We spent 207 mil, uh, accounting for what we made back in departures. Uh, Havertz, Werner, Chilwell, Ziyech, Mendy, Thiago Silva, I think Saling, Saling, Saar, or not Mar or something. Right. We loaned him out, solid French center back, uh, which is a lot of clubs are doing now. Um, key departures, we sold off Maratta, loaned Bakayoko, Tamori, uh, William, Pedro, and Freeze. So yeah, negative 207 mil spent from Big Frank. Um, you didn't really have anything to say specifically about Chelsea. Um, I said they were going to finish high based off of transfer market activity. And, and I also made the point that Lampard can have a, ver- a lot of variety in his team selection. 
which he kind of did at the start. Um, he was trying to find that correct mold. You kind of saw the, the interchanging of Alonzo and Shoa at the start in that 4-2-3-1, which he played a bit. Um, sometimes they played a 4-3-3. Um, and then when Tuchel came in, they did the full transition to a 3-5-2, 5-3-2, whatever you want to consider that. Um, or actually, a well, like a... Mainly, it was a three-four-three at times. It's hard nowadays because managers kind of keep the the team fluid. It's not one structure the entire game. It's like when they attack, uh, the wingbacks push up really high like normal wingers, and the the attacking wingers turn into inside forwards, and then defense they kind of go back. So it's an interchange in formation. But I think overall, if you want to, depending, dep- largely depending on Saturday's result. If we win, it's a solid year. Yeah. Uh, anytime you win the Champions League, it's a solid year, regardless of where you finish in the league. Uh, yeah, I agree. If we don't win the Champions League, I think it's a mediocre year. Um, pro, uh, good, good signs because having a manager change and having to adapt to the styles and all that, still finishing in the top four is nice. But yeah. um, for me, predicting them to finish second, competing with City and Liverpool and that, um, it's a letdown. But now that I'm seeing the guys we brought in, um, how they're gelling, um, Kai Havertz still kind of filling his play in. Team of Werner, uh, we did say, I think in the previous show or the one before, like he's had 27 goals if you don't consider offsides and VAR, mm-hmm. and then half of them counted. So he's an integral part to our attack. Um, Pulisic, Mount. Uh, Mount's been my player of the year for the team, and the team agreed he got the player of the season for them. Um Keeping Tiago Silva for another year is nice. Just having that Big. experience. Um, even though he'll be 38, 37, 38, he'll be on that Jagielka level, but with so much <laughs> more valuable experience and um, quality playing time to help groom Zuma and Rudiger's kind of established himself already, but just to give him that more, much more experience from a legend of the game yeah. uh, is nice to see. So I'd like next season to be competing for the league. I really do. Um, if we can keep all these players, I think we can. I think it just turns into the point of offloading guys such as Keppa, um, Emerson, uh, and all these guys alone. Like, Jorginho even, you want to get rid of. I'd like to get rid of Jorginho too, but I don't think he's going to leave. Yeah. Um, but get rid of all these guys alone. Like, we Victor can make, Moses, you still have fucking Victor Moses on your payroll. We can make, we can make 80 mil off those guys. Like, it's or... balanced books bro you more. think more tomori's gone tomori's gone he just left yeah, he had a he had a buyout clause i'm sad about that one yeah that that's kind of a that's an l but um, abraham drew yeah fucking um who else like there's so many guys like hudson adoy might go because there's talks of kingsley coman coming in i don't know why but i we could need not tell you why we that's need mid, a good idea we need midfield and defense because as Bill Quilt is going to be another year older, and we need a backup to Reese James out there, just somebody quick out there. So there's a lot of things they can do, and mm-hmm. I'm really hoping they do the right thing. But you never know. You never know. They're definitely going to buy somebody, and it's probably not going to be somebody I like. So we'll have to wait and see. Is there anything else that you saw from Chelsea this year that caught your eye, or maybe you were like, I don't know why they did that, or a key match that busted it up? Not necessarily. I mean, this last one versus Villa was pretty rough. That was that yeah. was a bad fumble. But um, the West Brom matches were terrible, bro. They we were bad too. West Brom. 
They were equals to West Brom. <laughs> I was gonna say West Brom played like fucking Barcelona when uh, Barcelona two thousand eight when whenever they came up against Chelsea. Um, that's true, but um, no. Uh, keep your eye out on Timo Werner. I think he was he, he got a really unfair shake this season. Yeah. Um, probably my my favorite signing of the season when it happened. Um, yeah. uh, of course now in retrospect it was underwhelming, but. Keep your eye mm-hmm. out. Um, the kid's got a lot of talent. He's very good. He's blisteringly fast. Um, and when he gets comfortable in that system, which I think he has started to, um, watch out next season, man. He, he'll he contend for, for, for head goal scorer. Watch. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, <laughs> Liverpool in third. You have them finishing second. I had them spot on in third. This was one of my two teams I predicted, right? Um, didn't Didn't happen until the final day with with Leicester and the Chelsea fumbling. Uh, but it worked out for that. Um, second most in possession, 59. They were the most disciplined team when it comes to cards. Uh, only 40 yellows, no red cards. Plus 26 goal differential. Mo Salah, 22 goals with Robertson, uh, Alexander-Arnold, Firmino, and Mane all getting seven assists. Uh, in the transfer market, they bought Jota, Thiago, brought in... Uh, a left back in Konstantinos Simic, I can't pronounce that, Greek guy, uh, Ben Davies, and then they loaned Kabak. And then they sold on Brewster, Lovren, and then Klein and Lan on freeze. Negative 43 mil spent. Um, you didn't really have anything. Oh, yeah, you did. You said Liverpool won't repeat. You said that strongly and then followed that up with because they lost Arsenal twice uh, in the previous season. Correct. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, Liverpool obviously going on the lines with um we were talking about um the injuries and that we never predicted uh van dyke gomez the whole center back um collapse there um and then also with midfield issues with fabinho um i'll let you lead this with liverpool in their season with the ups and the downs the highs and the lows on and off the field yeah. What did you think of their season overall? Well, to finish third, I think was lucky. Um, they should have finished a lot lower than this. They got they, they caught wind at the very end and and really yeah. started to string some together five in a row. Only other team in the league with that that last five all win form uh, is Arsenal, actually. Yep. So, <laughs> um, Liverpool really really squared it up towards the end, and at one point it seemed like maybe they had lost Klopp. Um, yeah. Really, really, really rough after they they bombed out of the CL. Um, it just, I don't know. It it started to get really grim there for a while, and then they picked it up. I don't really know where that turned around, what what fixture that was, or what it was that yeah. turned them around. But I'll tell it. I'll tell you. It was the Fulham <laughs> game. That was the last time. Yeah, it fucking was actually. That is what it was. So yeah, going back to March seventh. So after that, they kicked it into high gear and and just. We're very, very good from from there on out. So, um, mental toughness certainly was a falter. Uh, had some some COVID woes. It looks like um, you saw that in all kinds of sports. So, to to finish third, I think was good. But I was right. I knew they wouldn't repeat. They just didn't. They didn't have it in them to repeat, especially against the uh, you know two budding teams like City and United. Um, but yeah, I don't really have anything else to say. Yeah, that's fair. All right, uh, moving on, second place, Man United. Um, you had them finishing, we both had them finishing in fourth, so we were two off. We both thought they were going to fall off and be frauds and all that. Um, 
you didn't have anything to say about them. Um, I mentioned the signing of Van de Beek, and I mentioned that he will play in front of Fred. 100% wrong. Um, <laughs> Holly did not see that. Um, <laughs> he can't play anywhere. They were pretty reckless with cards, finishing third most with 64 yellows, positive goal difference of 29. Bruno Fernandez, 18 goals, four. Um, I think I saw here, what was it, nine of them were penalties. So I don't know how much you take that into consideration for his goal tally, but when he did yeah. score from open play, they were dimes. Yeah. Uh, he also led the team with 12 assists. Uh, key signings, Van de Beek. Ahmad Diallo, Tellez, Cavani. Uh, key departures, Smalling, Lingard, Fosumensa, and Alexis Sanchez. They got rid of, sold him to Inter on a free, negative 72 mil spent. Um, Very good year for United, I think, finishing second. Obviously, winning the Europa League would have been nice too, just for the players to have something to celebrate and have an actual physical trophy. Um, But... Finishing second to your to your hometown rivals is never good. It never feels good. So as a United fan, if I was, I would be disappointed in a way. But I I don't I don't I don't really know what else to say other than that. Is there anything else you could add on there? I mean, n- not really. It was just there a... wasn't much to like talk about. Like Bruno had his performances, and there were at times that he grabbed the team by the, the fucking the, scruff, yeah. by the scruff and like drug them across the finish line. Which is, I don't know, that's something really, really, really fantastic to have in, in a club captain. Um, well, he's not the club captain, but he's going to be, trust me. I know it's McGuire, but it won't be for long, I don't think. Um, Bruno is absolutely unreal. Signing of the past five seasons probably he converts where I don't think any other player would convert with the same efficacy. He is so, so, so clinical and clutch and he makes everybody around him clinical and clutch, which is such a huge thing. Like literally Cavani comes on Bruno sees Cavani comes on. They give, they give each other a nod and Cavani just scores at will. It's it's yeah. unreal. He turned everybody around him into better players, and even even United's defense. Look at players like Luke Shaw. Look at players like Harry Maguire. After being criminally overrated and then beginning to be slated by media, they had this resurgence, and there was a strength yep. in this United side that I haven't seen since I don't know the late two thousands. Like seriously. From seven, seven to, to yeah, from like seven to fifteen, like that's when you saw that. And then for the past six years, they've been shit. I mean, this yeah. this was really, really good from United. Yeah, I mean, this is the highest they finished since uh, the seventeen eighteen season, which it finished the same way City won the league. Yeah, uh, with a lot more points. But I mean, credit to them on the road; they were the best team on the road. They never lost a game on the road. Um, so that's a good sign to, to have. But yeah, I think Bruno had like a Jordan effect to where he right. made everybody around him a better player. And yeah, like you said, Luke Shaw got player of the season for United. And um, obviously the Europa League crumble at the end. You never wanted to go to penalties and you can't put all the pressure or on the blame on De Gea there for that kick. Obviously you don't want him. You never think he's going to be in that situation. He's the 11th kicker. He's going to have oh, to take the kick. Awful scenes. He, he, you need to win the game in regulation because 
with the with the schedule they had at the end of the season the last six weeks, they were fucked if they got to that extra time and they were. They just had tired legs and were dealing with injuries. McGuire wasn't there. He had to play Bayi, who's fucking shaky as hell. I'd be petrified yeah. if I was a fan watching him. And they signed him to a four year deal. So yeah, I don't know. Going forward, if they can get like uh some structure in the middle more. They can same situation as Chelsea if they can offload a couple players like uh Amata Matic, uh Brandon Williams, just like some guys that aren't ever gonna play to make some money. I mean they need to they need to do business. So yeah. uh all right, moving forward, Man City. Obviously we, we both picked them to win the league, so that was our other pick we got spot on. Um in total for our total points accumulated with the positions off uh i had 70 the goal of this is like golf to have lowest score you had 66 so you beat me there you had four better than me nice um criminally on the west ham pick i lost but um pain yeah but i I, i'm not gonna say it happens you should never get a team 14 off your fucking (laughs) that happens so i'll take i'll be an idiot we couldn't help that dude 14 off though that's pretty fucking bad. It's pretty bad. All right, let's go over the city thing. City, obviously, uh, best possession, best passing, best goal difference, most goals, lowest against. Ilkay Gundogan, 13 goals for, led the team. De Bruyne, 12 assists, led the team. He was out for, I think, 10 weeks at one point. He would have finished with like 30 if he played those games. Uh, key signings, Ruben Diaz, Nathan Ake, Fernand Torres for a total of 150 mil there. Uh, key departures, you kind of forget about this. They sold Leroy Sané, who was an absolute baller, to Bayern, uh, Otamendi, and then uh, club legend David Silva on a free. So negative 118 mil there, which is uh, like $10 to us uh, for Man City there. But um, yeah, I mean, we didn't really have anything to say about them there. Um, the only other thing I had to add was that I don't see someone winning the league by 12, by 18 points, which I was kind of wrong because they won by 12. but it wasn't 18. Um, there's nothing really you can say here other than just a well-done performance, really. Yeah, I mean, this was masterful. This was truly one of the most masterful seasons I've ever seen. There was like, <laughs> excuse me, 20 to 25 games in a row that they just won and that you were never worried about them losing. Yeah. Pep masterclass got the absolute best out of his players. Squeezed things out of guys that I thought were long gone. Gundogan, probably my most overperformed player of the season. Even when he wasn't scoring and assisting, he was so solid every game. Every game he stepped on that pitch, he was solid. And I thought his career was over. Um, but but Pep managed to squeeze so much out of so little. And the, the, the missing of Aguero for most of the season is huge. I mean, they went on this run playing guys that don't normally play. Jesus stepped up. Phil Foden stepped up. He's like fucking four years old and he stepped up. It's huge. It's insane what Pep got out of these guys. And I think you have to give him his his fair share. I don't want to just, just say, you know, good on the players. Although I do want to say that, but... Um, you have to give Pep this one because that's that's where this comes from. They had seven players finish uh, with more than six goals. Um, that's awesome. St- Sterling had Ted, Mares, Jesus, and Foden all with nine. Fernand Torres, seven, his first year with the team, and then uh, De Bruyne with six. So the goals were spread out. They scored a lot of goals. 
obviously with the style of play they do, which is uh, tiki-taka, and they've, they've kind of mastered the false nine in the Prem, which is something mm-hmm. that Pep's carried out um, from Barcelona with Messi. Obviously, nobody's going to top Messi in that position, but yep. they interchanged Sterling in there, Foden in there, De Bruyne in there, Bernardo Silva in there, Fernand Torres in there. Like, anybody they put in there did very well. And I, I, the, the, I think the best, not the best, the player I enjoyed to watch the most in that team was Mares. Whenever he got on the ball, his dribbling was just silky smooth. And anytime he had a guy one-on-one, it was going to be on a highlight reel. Like, he was going to absolutely embarrass them. Yeah. Um, Foden had a breakout year. He got called up to the Euros. He's on the provisional squad. Yep. Um, Sterling, in my opinion, had a setback year. Yeah, a little year, bit. Last year, I think he had like 18 goals, and he got cut back to, what is that? He got cut back to nine this year. Uh, it's kind of, Or 10. It's kind of a setback. I mean, he's kind of like that. Um. He's kind of like an elder on that team almost. Yeah, he's, he's 25. Old. Yeah. He's he's 25. I remember when he was that youngster at Liverpool. Me too. Call him the come up, but he's getting to like one of the veterans on the team um around that, but yeah, overall, I mean, I mean, we could go on for another 10 minutes talking about each individual player and what they added to the team with like Ruben Diaz coming and making John Stones look like uh uh, uh Vidic in the back yeah. or Yeah, true. Edder- or Ederson just absolutely bossing it and his passing, like yeah. plucking passes. He he got like I think he got one or two assists this year. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously not topping Allison's goal, but just like overall, just a well done performance from them. And it's going to be very hard to not pick them to to become back to back champs. Yeah, area. Um, I'm I'm in the same same school of thought for that. I mean, City just just dominant all the way through. Uh, certainly deserve all the guards of honor they're getting. Really, really awesome. Um, I will be rooting for City in the Champions League. I can't in good conscience uh, root for <laughs> Chelsea. I mean, that's that's fair. Um, although I you know I, I wouldn't mind either way. Uh, it, it'll be a really good match, I think, and that's that's ultimately what we're looking for. Um, well, for me. Uh, I know Matt's looking for a Chelsea win, but yeah, um, yeah, we're at two hours twenty minutes. We got to cut this. Uh, what we're gonna do? Our we'll find time this week, or maybe we'll just do it as the next episode. Yeah, um, we can open up to the do next our awards um, because I'm sure we'll we'll have a ton to say. But this was a really comprehensive review of of the season. I think we we did a really good job with that. So I'll let you do the plugs, and and we'll get the fuck out of here. Yeah, maybe next season we can do like a two-parter, kind of like uh, yeah. just to just split it up even. Yeah. But uh, yeah, guys, check us out on all of our streaming platforms, whether it's Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. Um, leave a five-star review. Let us know what, what we need to do to improve or what, what you guys enjoy us doing. Um, if you guys are visual watchers, hello uh, on the YouTube. Uh, hit the red subscribe button. Uh, hit the notification bell next to it. Absolutely free. It'll notify you on when our next posts are. Uh, whether it's a live stream or a uh, one of these videos, uh, the video versions of our podcast. So head over there, socials, obviously, at Post20Pod, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, and then other than that, um, 
my voice is about to go on. I know, dude. Me too. I am going to go take cough medicine and literally just die. I, I ran out of water like 45 minutes. I know. Ago. This is the longest shit ever, bro. It's hard talking for two hours. Yeah, but it's good experience to where like you get yeah. to a certain point, you can hold a conversation or uh, just in, ge- in general, I guess. That's one thing I've seen yeah. from doing this. I'm able to hold conversations better and yeah. kind of be, what's the word? initiate things and more I don't fluid. Fuck. yeah i don't know my brain's running on e right now so <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you guys so much for watching <laughs> catch us next week for the follow-up with our uh awards and yeah. uh we'll, we'll have to figure out what the fuck we're going to talk about too whether it's transfers or euros or yeah nba we'll 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 discuss that throughout the we'll, week we'll but, do it all um enjoy your memorial day weekend wherever you guys are uh hopefully the weather's better for you uh, then it will be for us, and hopefully you're not working, so you can just smash a couple brewskis with the boys or with the girls, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hey, guys.